Good afternoon. I'm Jordan Peoples, and Marvel sucks. I'm Cade Weiberg, and no, it doesn't. Welcome to episode 15 of our Eminence Front era. Uh, we are discussing movie number two with uh, within phase five. And if you all tuned in last time, uh, plot twist, Jordan hates Marvel again after being completely... <laughs> Uh, enamored with the entirety of the MCU and all their projects um, post phase one. Uh, Don't know if I'd say that. <laughs> and Quantumania came out um, and it did not perform well at the box office. I watched it a follow up time. Stand by what I said. I think it's pretty good. Uh, I liked it more than Love and Thunder and Black Widow. Anyway, listen to that episode if you want to hear more of uh, that talk. Um, but now. Yeah. Jordan is back to make fun of what I assume he thinks is a terrible movie, even though it's really, really good. I can't wait what old man, old sourpuss peoples has to say about this one. Oh, boy. Do you really think that I'm going to shit all over this movie? Is that your your prediction? I don't know what to think. If you don't like Quantumania, you must hate all of Marvel. (laughs) And therefore, there's no middle ground. You either love it or you hate it. And you used to love it, and now I think you hate it. So you're probably, ooh, you probably hated all the music in this movie and how how Drax (laughs) had such good jokes. Oh, wait, okay. Speaking of music in movies, have you seen the Mario? I sure have. (laughs) Okay, that movie I thought was a lot of fun. Okay. It had uh, a lot of... um, it was thin, I would say, yeah, on story and that kind of thing. <laughs> but as a fan of the games, I had a good time. Okay. But but the one problem I had with it was all of the stupid needle drops yeah. of songs that we've already heard in mu- movies like a billion times. Like they chose the most obvious yeah. song ever every time. Wait, you've heard it sucked. I had never heard "Take on Me" by Aha. Had you heard that before? <laughs> yeah, it was, the, it was my first time, uh, and it felt it. What a perfect match for the Donkey Kong. Thing. What? Yeah. Why? <laughs> um. So I watched this movie. We got it right before spring break for school. Uh, it has now grossed a billion dollars at this point worldwide. If you're listening to it, I watched it. I'm a Spyro the Dragon kid. I don't give a shit about Mario. Um, so I'm watching this movie and hoping for like a Pixar or a Disney because Pixar movies are made for adults and children. This movie is exclusively made for children or adults that played Mario. And if you're neither of those things, the movie just takes a huge dump on you. Um, yeah, animation looks fine. I like the voice acting, the script, like, did they, I feel like they didn't even give them opportunities to be funny. Charlie Day is in a cage for the entire movie. How do you cast Charlie Day, a very funny man, and put him in a cage for the entirety of the movie? And he's, like, off camera. Yeah. Uh, So I had a lot of... I mean, this is just my counterculture. It's so weird that I love Marvel and will just worship everything that they do. But then when someone makes a Mario movie that makes a billion dollars, I will not stand for it. And it was absurd, but I think my biggest complaint, well, again, the two things, like you have to be one of those fan bases, but just everyone, 
it's going to launch like a cinematic universe. There's no way. Like, it's universal, and they're looking for this thing. Like, there's no way they don't do a Mario Kart movie, a Zelda spinoff, a Metroid Prime spinoff, and then there's a Super Smash Bros. Avengers-style movie. That's 100% going to happen. It's made a billion dollars. Why would they not do that? Uh, So... Yeah, I, I agree with basically all of your criticisms. It's just I happen to fall into the bucket of being a longtime <laughs> Mario fan. But even then, like, I, I was, you know, it was, I think this movie would be best enjoyed playing in the background while you're otherwise kind of, like, doing would, stuff. This would be a great movie to watch while it doing It made me chores. wish I was playing, like, the video game, because I think they do a great job bringing the video game to life. And it is... Yeah. You know, I I just wanted to play Mario Kart. I wanted to play, uh, yeah, I guess Super Mario 64 was the only one I really played as a child. Like, because my neighbor had it and I would go over there and we I binged the shit out of that. Um, yeah. But. No, the games are great. They're fun. Yeah, this movie just, it's really, yeah, it made a billion dollars. So I'm just fearful for the direction that movies are going to be made from now on. I'm, I'm curious if Guardians 3 makes a billion dollars. I mean, I feel like the feedback for this movie is fairly consistently like, yes, we the fans enjoyed it, but there could have been more done with the story. However, you make a billion dollars, maybe you don't listen to any criticism. It is, I don't know. Yeah, so it had a pretty good opening weekend right now. I think it's at like 350 worldwide. Um, so we really got to see how it does the second weekend. I do think it will have legs because the next movies to come out are Fast and Furious 10, which I don't think will take much from Guardians viewers. Um, and then after that is the Little Mermaid reboot, which again, like you still, I think you have a lot of viewers going to see Guardians. The only thing that dethrones it is the Flash movie with Michael Keaton mid-June. So that's when the fan bases will be like, all right, we're going to jump ship and go over to this theater now. That's my prediction anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what would make me watch the Flash movie. Have you heard about, have you heard about the Tom Cruise thing? Oh my no. god! All right, so uh, you've heard all the high praise the and everything. Tom Cruise, Every, thing. everyone. Yes, I, I've heard that everyone's like, okay, but it's actually really good. It's so good that they're gonna let Ezra Miller kill someone. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> like he's got a free pass <laughs> to do a murder. <laughs> they won't recast it. It's awesome. <laughs> what a good movie. Um, exactly. So Tom Cruise. I don't know how this happened, but Tom Cruise like has gone on record saying. Everything is true. So unless they paid him a lot of money to lie, which would be crazy. But anyway, Tom Cruise is like, I really want to watch that Michael Keaton Flash movie. Uh, Or Michael Keaton Batman in the Flash movie. Uh, And then uh, the studio, Warner Brothers is like, okay, yeah, no, you're you're the guy. Like, popular actor, sure. Um, You have the connection. Uh, They take like a secret file or whatever that deletes itself after four hours to his house, to his private viewing. Uh, He watches it immediately calls Andy Machete, the director, who has given us uh, the It reboots, one and two, um, which me and Jordan have spoken of on this podcast uh, because they were Mm -hmm. uh, coming out around the time we started. Uh, Anyway, he calls Andy Machete and he says, this was the perfect blockbuster and absolutely the movie the general public needs right now. The man coming off of Top Gun Maverick, one of the greatest blockbusters of the past 20 years, tells Andy Machete that he made a masterpiece. Does that incentivize you to see it? 
<laughs> Ooh, it's tough because I did like Top Gun Maverick. We did. We talked about it a lot I during would our not Moon Knight episode. Say, I would not say that Tom Cruise is overall a person I trust. <laughs> well, about movies? Like in terms of having good opinions oh, oh, generally. Okay. Well, I think he's pretty good with choosing projects. Like he had a weird dry spell for 10 years in the mid or the early aughts. But then since Maverick has won me back, so now I'm kind of in his corner movie-wise again. He wasn't a lot of... Well, and you also love Live, Die, Repeat. You raved about that movie. You came to campus after summer. Which was called Edge of Tomorrow when I watched it, Yeah, they changed the name for, like, American audiences or whatever. But we're we're committing to that new name? I don't... You can Google it. It has two names. It's so weird, because when it came out in the summer, it was a different name... And then they released it as a different name on video. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Uh, I have no idea why they did that. Some marketing maneuver or something or other. Or, yeah, something to do with foreign title. I don't know. Um, but you love that movie. I was all, I was kind of lukewarm to that. I thought it was fine. Uh, but yeah. I really... Since then, I have watched... Magnolia, the P.T. Anderson movie, which was wonderful. I had never seen that until this past year. Yeah, it's seen amazing. It. He is really good in it. And uh, Eyes Wide Shut, the Stanley Kubrick film. I did which, see that actually relatively okay, recently. I watched that also this past year. So I two, Tom Cruise's two best movies I waited until 2022 to watch. And now I'm kind of... And then I also watched, weirdly, uh, this past fall, all of the Mission Impossible movies, of which I had only seen Fallout. Wait, did you watch Eyes Wide Shut because of Babylon? No. I watched it before Babylon. Because I feel like part of the reason I watched it was someone compared the kind of descent into the thing with Tobey Maguire to that that feeling of dread. And so then I went and watched it around the time I also watched Barbarian. Yeah. Which kind of had a similar thing. Yeah, a lot of of descent movies. You should have watched The Descent. Yeah. I feel like, you know, part of it, I guess, is just this, you know, all the stuff that's come since Eyes Wide Shut. Yes. But I felt like I expected a kind of even crazier payoff than ended up happening. Uh, I think it's kind of a slow burn movie, and it's just more paranoia than anything. And you kind of, right? you don't know what's up at the end. And I really love that last line of dialogue where Nicole Kidman's like, we fuck. Uh, mm-hmm. really cool at last line um yeah i don't know i liked i liked uh, that so i'm kind of and top gun maverick so i watched for the first time in 2022 i watched top gun maverick magnolia and um the wise wide shut all in the same year so that's a really good year for cruise if all three of those movies came out in the same year which they didn't but i pretended that they did basically yeah you're on a little Cruise views. <laughs> Cruise. Well said. <laughs> uh, uh, so, all this to say, it sounds like you're you're convinced you will watch the Flash movie. I doubt I'll see it in theaters. What a, I mean, that would have to like I would have to hear. You're you already know. hearing pretty good things about it. Like everyone early viewers. I feel like I would have to hear it from someone. I don't know who I'd have to hear it from. <laughs> me. Like, like if I hear it from you, I don't think that'll sell <laughs> me on. on. But if I heard it from, 
if I heard it from Nick, he I'd would be like, never. Really? Well, that's also uh, inside baseball. I know, but what what a glowing review yeah. that would Nick be. Nick is our <laughs> friend and uh, former roommate who hates superhero movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he is the last person in the world who would go see The Flash and then recommend it. Yeah, I don't know. This Tom Cruise thing has gotten me on a. I'm. I mean, I was already gonna watch it, obviously. Um, but it's also James Gunn is. This is the reboot that sets up James Gunn's universe. So, uh, and after this movie, I feel like he's going to do a pretty good job of making a superhero universe. It is interesting to think of him in the in the you know top yeah. role, the person pulling all the strings. Like, I think it might be something that he does end up being very good at for some of the reasons we'll talk yes. about doing this movie but i i mean well so not to show my hand too much i will have criticisms of this i movie, know you will but, old man people's with his like, finger on the button but i'll say this about james gunn is he's kind of got that dan Harmon, uh just like i know how to tell a story thing going mm-hmm. on which i think was the main problem with quantum mania well it's weird james that, gunn didn't have that, that ability for guardians 2 it felt like I guess I, I guess I'm just thinking like in terms of this movie or like the weird Suicide Squad yeah. movie. It's like no matter what kind of chaos he's kind of doing, yeah, he knows how to anchor it to some characters, sure, and like make you care about them and have them grow and change as the movie goes, which is like all I want yeah. in pretty much any yeah. movie. Like you have them do interesting things, but also have those things reflect on those characters. Yes. Agreed. Um... And not to spoil it, but I think that did happen in this movie. <laughs> I think that uh, I agree. I, he's also writing and directing the the first film of his DC universe, which is Superman Legacy, which will come out in summer 2025. Um, That's interesting just because he so often works with ensembles. That's, and Superman is like the least ensemble character guy. of all. Until he meets yeah. the Justice League, but this is going to be like a younger iteration of Superman. So I'm really fascinated to see how James Gunn does with just one main character. I'm sure he'll have like Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane, and they'll kind of be like a wacky group, but it's definitely like a Superman thing, uh, one off. Hmm. Um, have you heard about the Fantastic Forecasting? Okay, no. so rumors right now but they have these the two confirmed offers that have been sent out are margot robbie for invisible woman and adam driver for mr fantastic it's funny they want margot robbie as the invisible woman because i see her everywhere (laughs) okay now do one for adam driver (laughs) it's funny they call him adam driver because he uh walks <laughs> <laughs> really good really good uh the margot robbie one was good yeah no i'm glad you followed it up <laughs> it makes me confident <laughs> in your abilities to joke um so and then someone was speculating uh i've heard multiple human torches um wait what was he adam driver being cast as 
I just realized my first riff was Mr. On Fantastic. Role, Mr. Fantastic. The stretchy guy. If you remember mm. Miles Teller from the Fan Forstic episode we did. Mm. Yeah, I still don't have a joke for that. Okay, I well, I think it'll come to you mid episode, probably. Something about stretches. We'll see. Um, did you see After Sun? No, I don't you even know what that is. Really, I really need to watch After Sun. Uh, it won some film festivals. It was a small indie movie that came out in January or December. Um, it's about a father and daughter who go on vacation, and a daughter, without spoiling anything, a daughter reminisces about this vacation when like 30 years later and it's interesting like looking at her life and how this vacation kind of affected her it is a wonderful wonderful masterpiece that you kind of need to watch like more than once to fully understand i think you would absolutely eat it up it mm, does sound like my um, kind of thing. highly recommend definitely add that to the list anyway the father in that is played by paul mescal who is rumored to be a human torch uh potentially um i've also heard some guy from Riverdale, who I don't know, um, the CW show, but, you know, just some hot kid, I guess. Um, and Glenn Powell, also, potentially, who was uh, in Top Gun Maverick. He's kind of like the, the jerk fighter who's confident in his, okay. uh, overconfident in his abilities. Um, all three of those. I'm curious, Paul Mescal, like, He's kind of just a very subtle character in After Sun, so I haven't really seen any of his range. Um, but they all look the part, from what I can tell. Um, and then also, this one sounds like the most unbelievable, but rumor was Jack Black is the thing, which would be kind of awesome, but also just that seems... He seems like the I think he outlier would, there. He would take up too much space. Yeah. Well, the thing is like, a huge rock man, so that's kind of par for the course. Well, I mean, narratively. <laughs> or like, you know, he kind of chews the scenery. Like, sure. But maybe that's just because I'm used to Michael Chiklis's yeah, thing. Yeah, very subtle. Who is a little bit more more stoic. Yes. But if you're going to be a rock man, I think it's kind of fitting to be a little bit stoic. And I'm not sure Jack Black could pull that mm, off. Well, that's the one I'm least certain of. Like, I feel like Jack Black could not pull off the kind of angst that of being turned into a rock man. I don't, I feel like Jack Black could be turned into a rock man and still have a pretty good vibe. And I think he could really roll with well, it. Well, if Jack Black did it, I feel like it would turn into those Juman, uh, new Jumanji movies where he's like, ah, I'm this character. And it's just kind of like wacky. Um, mm-hmm. Like, ah, I made a rocks, but yeah, I don't know the vibe they're going for. I got to see how everyone else is cast. I mean, Adam Driver and Margot Robbie could still turn it down, but uh, I feel like Adam Driver wouldn't. He seems like a Benedict Cumberbatch type who is really just an all-around good actor, and he's not snooty enough to turn down like a good paycheck and also just a fun role. Um, Margot Robbie. And also, he's got that, he's got the kind of... Uh jokiness to him like the silliness well but the but also just like these this the sternness oh, that yeah. i feel like mr fantastic yes, kind definitely. of brings he's he's kind of a uh very uh a lot of dad energy yes in him like stern father like in marriage story trying trying to keep trying to not let his fantastic family yes, together trying to not let his arm bleed out on the floor of marriage story um 
and then Margot Robbie has been Harley Quinn all this time in all of those DC movies you've come to love over the years. Um, mm. So maybe, I assume that's kind of getting rebooted with James Gunn's new universe, so maybe she won't do it. Maybe she'll stick around and be Harley Quinn some more. Who knows? Um, I feel like this is... She seems to have fun This doing is definitely it. Marvel poaching one of DC's like big... That's probably their biggest character it, because all the other ones are so polarizing. <laughs> Yeah. Ben Affleck, a Batman that shoots Uzis at people. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like for some people, she's kind of like uh, J.K. Simmons is J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. They're like, wow, she's spot on. I don't know if I feel that so much. I mean, I do think she's well cast in those roles. Yeah. But I don't know if before she was cast in it, I would have, you know. Put her as Invisible Woman. Yeah, she's just not quite scrungy enough. Uh, I don't know. I'm. Uh, I think she could pull it off. I feel like you got to be a little bit rough around the edges. Some like kind of method. Invisible energy. Woman though is more of a. Well, that's Harley Quinn. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I was talking I thought, about. Her is Harley. Yeah, Quinn. but she's already in Harley Quinn. I'm talking. What do you? I know. <laughs> but I, I was saying that people view her in Harley oh. Quinn as being as good of a fit as J.K. Simmons and J- as. J. I J. thought J. you Davison. said she didn't fit because she was a. She didn't have a no. head mentality. <laughs> <Okay>. No, <laughs> great. She doesn't fit as Harley Quinn because she doesn't have a method. Yes, okay. So, Invisible Woman. Do you like her or no? Yeah, I think that's a better okay, fit. Actually, great. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of other Marvel mailbag news. Uh, we have Secret Invasion coming out uh, June 21st, um, which looks pretty good. And uh, you have a uh, wedding coming up soon as well. Do you want to do any law corner or wedding corner before we dive in? Uh, I mean, I graduate essentially a week from when anyone would be hearing this. Wow. So that's kind of an event. That is. Congratulations from mm-hmm. your, your pals at Marvel. <laughs> your your uh, <laughs> yeah. bread basket is in the mail from Feige himself. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. Because, you know... I moved down here during the pandemic, mm-hmm. so everything was already super weird. <laughs> That's true. Uh, which made it kind of a nice transition. Yeah. Because everyone was kind of... Transitioning themselves. Edge. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but now everything's, you know, reopened up. And movies are, are back. Approaching normalcy. Mm-hmm. And now I got to go take the bar exam. Well, that's after your wedding, right? I here's a here's a fun law tidbit. So I signed up for this bar prep course, okay. which are enormously expensive, by the way. Didn't know that, but that makes sense. Lawyers make a lot of money. Continue. Yeah, but uh, so they mailed some stuff to my house. Okay. Um, and like some materials. Oh, studying materials. So, okay. Yeah, and Ellie called me the other day. She's like, "Hey, a box came for you. It's like twenty pounds. Do you know what this is?" And I was like. All my bar prep books. <laughs> and it should also... Like, I didn't know it would be 20 pounds. It should also be noted for those uh, who are unaware, but you live in Georgia currently before you move to Tennessee. Uh, so they, yes. they did not show up to your current residence. They right. showed up to uh, your future home. And now you need to drive and yes. pick them up, presumably. Well, I mean, I'm just going to go there and start studying. I'm I'm in the process of moving. I uh, so when are you uh, moving to Tennessee? Uh, I have movers coming on the twenty uh, second of May. Okay, 
so, so soon. Ten days. How long, from now, when do you have yeah. to evacuate your house before they take it? Oh, I haven't sold oh, it okay. yet, so it's still um, yours. So. We can have a party getaway. Yeah. <laughs> we could, except for ever, it'll be empty after the twenty second. <laughs> well, sure, but I mean, that's you just bring like lawn chairs and we sit in the living room, drink beers, and talk about Marvel. Just whenever we need a getaway yeah. weekend. You could finally get a chance to visit Athens. I, yeah, I have not been there for three whole years. Yeah. Uh, you could have gone to Creature Comforts where the... Uh, where the Marvel beer is. Um, Marvel beer is, which I actually have in my fridge I right did now. Uh, drink that at the beach. Um, I sent a photo to Ellie as well, or on Facebook, because yeah. um, yeah. she was commenting on it. That's a solid IPA. Yeah, solid. Uh, I feel like for Tropicalia, though, that name, I would have expected something a little lighter, something more Corona-y. Hmm. Tropicalia just sounds very light when and I, beachy, and I don't consider IPAs very beachy. They're not. They're pretty heavy, dehydrating beers. <laughs> but I really enjoy oh, yeah. them, but yeah, not Quite beachy. good, quite good. I'm a fan. Um, so, and your, your wedding is uh, July, correct? Yeah. Okay. So you you're studying for the bar. You haven't scheduled the bar. Which, by the way, have you been measured for your uh, suit? Yet? <laughs> I don't think this pertains to the podcast. <laughs> Is that I, really that should that needs to? Happen. I have been measured for uh, Keith's wedding, um, a wedding in uh-huh. November. The fans fucking love this right now. By the way, <laughs> if you can forward those measurements to Men's Warehouse, that yeah, it's three minutes from my house. Like this is also, yeah. um, but I measured for Keith's in March, and his is in November. So I'm pretty sure I can just call Men's Warehouse and be like, "Hey, the measurements you have for this guy, move them to this date as well," and they'll be like, "Okay." Like, why couldn't I do that? Right? I should definitely I, I mean, call them and find out. <laughs> yeah. uh, Why not? What's the worst they could say? So I went in March. No, and we we're actually canceling both orders. <laughs> no! Jordan's <laughs> going to be so mad. When I show up to his wedding in my Marvel t-shirt and my Hulk hands. Surely you could do better than that. <laughs> it's even on short notice. <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing in my car the entire time. That's just always that I have. I, I, I drove here in my boxers because I thought I'd get dressed. <laughs> once I well, arrived. I'm always wearing a Marvel t-shirt, as I am now, as yeah. you can see. Um, as the listeners cannot, but you can because you can see me. Yeah. Uh, but I, so I would wear that and then, you know, I, yeah, I'm in my boxers pants wise and then Wolverine socks. <laughs> I got my Wolverine socks. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, that's, that's all set and I'll grab my Hulk hands there in the trunk just in case I get in a fight with someone. <laughs> Should be a good time. And then two weeks later, I'll sit for the bar. So it's exactly two weeks or you haven't scheduled it yet. You're just estimating. No, I mean they're, they're both dates are set. Oh, in stone. you've already signed up for the bar. Oh, yeah. okay, I didn't know that. I mean, it happens twice a year. Really? Like that's it? You only yeah. have two chances to take it. That's why I'm taking it two weeks <laughs> after my wedding. <laughs> if I could choose a date in August, you didn't. You I didn't want to, you know, take like six months off and just chill, and then take the bar. I would love to do that. <laughs> I don't. I think employers might just have assumed that I failed the bar and then had to retake it. Well, I mean, your wedding date is like perfect proximity to this date. And you could be like, yeah, we had a whole paid for vacation and I wouldn't have had any time to study. Here's my marriage certificate. I'm not lying. Maybe I need to run this idea past Ellie. How would you feel about me not working and just chilling for six months? (laughs) She has a PhD, right? She's, I mean, you know, she's definitely a breadwinner. Yeah, 
I mean, she has a she has a job. Yeah. You know, why should I? Why should, why should you? We should we should take turns. <laughs> exactly. She does a job for a year. I do a job. That for sounds a year. great. And then we just do a whole <laughs> bunch of Marvel shenanigans for a year. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, we, we should like. I was thinking potential episode ideas because we got Secret Invasion come up. Maybe uh, a little before your wedding, we do some kind of uh, marriage episode where we talk about all of the married couples within the Marvel universe and just. Uh, I don't know. That'd be pretty yeah, fun. It'd be a nice reason to have Ellie back on. She hasn't been on in a while, right? Um, now, what episode was she? She on? She was on the end of Loki, I believe. So it's been oh. two years. I think that's also the last Disney Plus show. She watched? She watched. Wow. Yeah. Um, Which I don't think is strange. I bet a lot of people would say that. Those, I mean, after WandaVision and Loki were kind of the two. There's no way. Ones. No, because Falcon and Winter Soldier came out in between those two. And there's no way um, they yeah. watch. People skip There's that. no way they watch Loki and they're like, it probably sucks from here on out. Like, if I watched Loki, I would be like, something after this has got to be half as good. And it wasn't. Well, I mean, half as good, maybe. But I'm also uh, an advocate for these movies and shows. Um, Secret Invasion looks fun. I'm really wishing the best for it and optimistic. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. Uh, It looks like a Winter Soldier. I know your favorite. Um, Espionage thriller in which Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury, returns to Earth after being away during the events of uh, everything post-Captain Marvel. We see him at the end of Far From Home in the spaceship looking down on Earth. He comes back to Earth and he doesn't know who he can trust because scrolls have invaded and they are taking over identities of famous or important political people as well as other Avengers and such. Um, so he's just kind of on his own doing an espionage thing. It sounds a lot like Winter Soldier. The trailer reminded me a lot of Winter Soldier. And we're planning to do this one in person, right? I would love that if you're available. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I do really have to study for the (laughs) fall. But assuming that's all going well toward the end of June. Uh, that would be... Might take a couple days. That would be very fun. And if you come to Charlottesville, you can watch as many movies as you see fit on the big screen... For free. Wow. And even if there's that, an that empty theater at after 10 p.m., I my buddies, or I do this all the time where I just watch a movie, I put on the Roku, any streamable movie I can do. Uh, it's a great way to catch up on movies like Magnolia and uh, I keep forgetting the title of Eyes Wide Shut for some reason, even though I've mentioned it several times. Man, that just made me think, like, what movie would I watch in a theater if I could watch any movie theater i don't know i see this is i've watched nearly every movie in a theater at this point it it feels so strange i was just talking to a friend of the show patrick fitzsimmons last night um because the new blackberry movie is spectacular um it's big short means meets social network uh have you not heard you're furrowing furrowing your brow it sounds like you haven't heard of this movie i I have not heard of anything (laughs) i've had a very busy past few months um Anyway, it's Big Short Meets Social Network. It is uh, Matt Johnson who made our favorite Nirvana the band the show. Um, me and Patrick's favorite. Oh. Um, and Glenn Howerton, Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, is also a main character in it. And basically, it's the rise and fall of the BlackBerry phone. Um, told through the lens of the social Weird. network meets the Big Short. It is hilarious. Uh, my favorite non-Marvel movie of the year. Just going to say it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, really, really, really good. Highly recommend. Uh, if we have it, 
in seven weeks. You can watch it then. Um, that's a long time for us to keep an indie film, though, so we'll see. Yeah. You'll be able to watch The Flash as many times as you want. Ooh, <laughs> that might be zero. Um, but yeah, uh, so Secret Invasion coming up, uh, maybe potential wedding episode, and I will get measured and tell Jordan my measurements on the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, well, don't tell me. Tell them. No, I feel like you want to know, though, right? I mean, I guess... We could compare our relative measurements. Sure. We could finally know who has a bigger wingspan and, and longer in <laughs> This sounds like great episode material. The boys <laughs> get measured. Because I got measure, measured in March for Cassidy sent us all this, uh, like, all everything you sent. And Men's Warehouse was not cooperative in certain regards uh, in getting the material for me. And now I've figured it all out. So now for yours, easy. Like, I logged in and everything. Perfect. But it took me, like, a couple weeks to get on their registration or whatever. Uh, so I go in and get measured because Cassidy sends us this This in last November. Like, we've had this information for so long. I'm like, I've waited four months. I've That's a long time. Uh, and then I get measured and I come out uh, and I text her, like, I did the thing. And she's like, you can't get measured this far away from the wedding. You might gain or lose weight and then you won't fit in your clothes. <laughs> so you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. So now I feel like waiting until two weeks before yours, I'll be in perfect physical condition for it. I, I'm pretty sure they would not be able to get the suit ready <laughs> or like a suit to the place it needs to be. But you don't know for sure. In two weeks. I okay. don't. So maybe. So it might be worth risking. <laughs> If you think your weight is going to be very like roller, I didn't think it would be, but Cassie has me months. self-conscious about it now. <laughs> Am I going to gain or lose a lot of weight before November? I mean, maybe this is a summer that you get really into smoking lots of meats, <laughs> and so I, you're just eating tons of ribs uh, and that pork. Hey, that's entirely possible. <laughs> I, I mean. If I wasn't going to visit already, that would definitely get me to yeah. visit. If it was the summer of smoking, Charlottesville, meats. we got the meats. That's yeah. our uh, town motto, if you can believe it. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, you lived here for a few years. It seems like something you'd retain. Hmm. Um, would you like to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? We, Yeah, we really <laughs> should, and we should uh, move through these plot points a little quickly. Uh, okay, like only two hours, Scott. Um, so we should also slightly address, uh, at the start of this movie, James Gunn was fired at the beginning of the original uh pre-covid and everything uh due to the tweets and we talked about that uh on our unreleased marvel sucks versus no it doesn't musical episode uh so our hot takes on the topic at the time never reached the light of day um but i think we can just summarize by saying really glad he was able to be hired back and he did the thing really well and no one else i think could have pulled off this movie with those characters you know, our listeners probably thought that Disney just paid us off not to talk about it. They're like, mm-hmm. this is already pretty big news story, but if this gets on Marvel Sucks, it'll be <laughs> <It's> everywhere. <over. laughs> the number eight in the world on Apple Pods, uh, Marvel <laughs> Content Podcast. We can't have them talking about it. Can't have yeah, them know. That would end us. I know. We'd never be able we to hire him back a few years recover. later. We could not recover. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think both of us agreed at the time the firing seemed a bit premature, maybe, or, um, you know, like, yeah, maybe yeah. he should have just stayed on the job. Uh, yeah, and just have him release an apology for something he did 
however, like, I don't remember how long it was at the time, like eight years ago. This was 2018 like, or 2019, maybe. But the tweets were the tweets were 2010 or 2000. Yeah. Around yeah. That time. Yeah. That's that's what I was thinking. Yeah. It, was, it was close to 10 years. So 2018. 10 year old tweets at the yes. time. Infinity War had just come out and uh, blasted its way into our hearts. Um, and this terrible news happened. And speaking of which, uh, the Jonathan Majors stuff we haven't mentioned on the pod, but since our last episode, mm. Jonathan Majors uh, has faced criminal charges for potentially uh, beating his girlfriend or harmful, harm being harmful, physically abusing his girlfriend. Um, which is very different. Very different. Than, uh, seems how we a much uh, worse crime. James Gunn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seems like a worse crime and. They have not said anything about it. I'm really curious how they handle this situation since, since he is like the face of the villain of the next 10 years of this franchise or whatever. I, I've seen some people who are like, well, it's like a multiverse. They can exactly. just switch it. Yeah. It's like, but we've seen that all the Kangs look like <laughs> Well, that them. wasn't... Like, that would work if we've only seen one Kang. Sure. But, I mean, that wasn't all of them because that was most of them. A lot of them were still showing up. They're, so, what I read, and I would buy into this i would i would advocate for this um the high evolutionary did such a good job in this movie that he should become he they should reveal he's a variant of kang and then they should just move forward with him i think that would be a, a pretty good solution yeah. and then i would also go ahead and just call quantum mania maybe a mulligan <laughs> it's uh, a fine maybe movie. just scrap that one from the mcu that one is or you could edit his face in uh, and it wouldn't make it a worse movie. Well, I mean, like, and I'm not even saying they need to like deep fake it onto the other face. They could just like, you know, like a sticky note on the film. Keep in mind, Jonathan Majors is already in Loki season one, so he's already a Kang variant. But that one could be a variant because if he only shows, shows up once, we don't know that all the variants. Well, look and the same. we don't know yet, but he is in all of Loki season two. We don't know if he plays one of himself or all of himself. So that is also going to be a nail in the coffin because Loki, I imagine, will be much better than Quantumania. And you won't want to retcon that, yeah. I bet. Um, but now, I mean, now they have time to deep fake it. Sure, if you want them to go in and just do like Ant-Man Quantumania Redux and they release like yeah. an altered cut. Well, I'm saying for Loki before they release it. That seems like also a lot of work because that's been done and it's on the shelf. It's ready to go. Right now, there's a writer strike, so they can't do anything. Loki's scheduled to come out in October. Uh, it's a lot of moving parts to deal with. I'm glad I'm not Kevin Feige. I don't know how he does it. Seems imagine, imagine Quantum Mania, a movie like in your Marvel universe, you've built this, you built this empire, and then you get a call on Monday morning, a uh, box office. It looks like it's going to be a bomb. We're going to need to scrap some future plans and move stuff around. Then the following Monday morning, you get a call like our star just beat his girlfriend or allegedly abused someone. How do you think he like deals with this? Uh, I think he probably slaps his forehead and goes, I, yay. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope so. <laughs> It's a shame that was the kind of visual gag. No, but it, I, mean, I think, I think it, works. it came across. I think it audio. works in people's heads because people know exactly what that means. <laughs> they can envision that perfectly. Uh, all right. So James Gunn made a little movie called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. He wrote this script before his firing. He might have made a couple tweaks after they brought him back on, but overall, this was the script he wanted to go with. Um, and I 
think he fucking nailed it to have this immediately. Like, he didn't need to go through any rewrites. Apparently, I found out recently, uh, Multiverse of Madness, that script went through 33 revisions. And hmm. I think it worked really well. Uh, James Gunn's script, I think, went through a lot less. Because they probably trust him, even though they fired him. <laughs> So what's your rating? I put this at number... Oh, I should pull up the spreadsheet. We should both do that. Um, I put this at number 13 out of 41. I'm going to watch it again tomorrow with my BFF Keith and some other friends. Um, right now it is in front of Iron Man 3 and behind Thor Ragnarok. I will say I watched Thor Ragnarok on my rewatch, like, the same week and right before Guardians 3, and as it turns out, I have thought about Guardians 3 a lot more, so I think it might surpass Ragnarok. Uh, mm. um, but I am going to give it... Let me pull up the spreadsheet here. Um, I should have done this beforehand. I am so sorry. Marvel's... This spreadsheet is, is like, whenever we mention it, <laughs> the listeners just go, oh, shit. This is going <laughs> to... They're going to get us so distracted by this. I feel the opposite. I feel like they want to see this master sheet. Like, they're so curious. I mean... I believe they'd want to see it, but listening to us just talk about, describe, and edit it is probably not great content. Probably not. I would believe that. Um, But, uh, so this movie, I think the best parts about it are... It's emotional, and it is hilarious. The cast is all firing on all cylinders. It's a really good swan song. Like, And weirdly, spoilers, no character dies at all. Um, they're pretty- well, no, none of the main characters die. Sure, sure. I guess some, some grunts do at some point. Um, uh, and Lila? Uh, well, they were already Floor? dead when the movie started. Teeths? They they died beforehand. Um, and also, all right, so, yes, this movie's very, very good. Uh, I like it a lot. I'm going to put it, now that I have my ratings, um, it is right behind, I'm actually going to put it the same as Ragnarok right now. So I gave Ragnarok um, exactly a 5.5 i'm going to give this also a 5.5 avengers and my avengers at the table are um uh let's see uh star lord would be one um then i go with drax probably do rocket uh then maybe gamora and groot uh and then um bruce banner (laughs) drowned out the team uh, and that's that's all the Avengers sitting at the table. They are having a great time talking about what a great movie they were in. Um, so this is interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking about where I'm going to end up placing it, and I just don't quite have a number in my head yet. But we will we'll, we'll see as we oh, discuss it. The fans are just on the edge of their seats. Where is Jordan going to rank this? Where is Old Sourpuss Peoples going to rank this Marvel movie that he probably hates because he hates all Phase Five movies? So this movie starts in nowhere. <laughs> yes, they, as we found out from the Christmas special that you also didn't like, uh, their new headquarters is nowhere. They're all hanging out. Um, yeah, and and this is clearly the set. So like the it, the Christmas special really was just like a kind of a afterthought while already there. Sure, they're it's like we got the gang all they're here. They're in nowhere. Let's film it on an off day and 
add a whole bunch of dope Christmas songs. Um, Adam Warlock immediately shows up and kicks all of their asses, basically. Uh, Peter Quill is very drunk. Uh, Rocket is moping to Radiohead's Acoustic Creep. What do you think of this intro song? Uh, I mean, it's a it's a. Do classic you like song, Radiohead? So I have not listened to as much Radiohead as I probably should because I I think I would really love Radiohead if that was a joke. I really I, thought you loved Radiohead in college. It seemed I like really you, only listened to one of their albums. Okay, well in college uh, you which had it on a lot. The Bins, yeah, which is a good one. That might be my. Well, favorite. I love the Bins. Yeah, it's very good. The Bins is is. Uh, is, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite albums, but it's my favorite Radiohead album because it's the only one I've listened to more than, say, twice. Huh. Yeah, they're all... I mean, not all. It's really... I like Pablo Honey mo- more than most people. OK Computer also rips. Um, and then they kind of lose me when they get a bit too weird. But I'm a pop or pop fan, so... I feel about uh, Radiohead kind of how I feel about Pink Floyd. Okay. They both seem like cool people bands who are trying to be a little bit sophisticated. Sure. And I think I tend to like simpler rock. I can I like, can get like rather that. than Pink Floyd, I'm more of a like the Who. Sure. You know, just like big g- guitar chords. Yeah. And like I guess the equivalent for Radiohead would maybe be Oasis. Because uh, Blur is a little funky. Blur They're, is more like the Kinks or something. Yeah. But the Who, I think, is more like Oasis. They're just doing like these big kind of anthems. That's weird. That I see. I thought I would put the Who with the Kinks, and I would put. I mean, well, yeah, but I'm saying I'm trying to do a cross generation sure. thing. I don't know the Who seem. Sorry, sorry. I meant uh, the Who would be more. I don't know. They're kind of like the Blur, blur? a little bit. Like the Who get kind of weird. The thing is, like Boris the Spider but, is not an Oasis. Like that would never fly. That's true. But Blur was always like like vignettes. They never really did any long-form stuff, which is very who. Yeah. And, I mean, Oasis didn't either, but they do have some longer they tracks. Do. They have some jammers later on in their career uh, when yeah. they stopped making uh, consistently good music. <laughs> yeah, they still have some good singles in the back of their catalog, but no really good albums. Uh, yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, they are post ninety seven or post. We got derailed so quickly. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> we haven't talked in three months. This is just the kind of stuff that happens. Um, yeah. All right, what do you think of this soundtrack overall compared to the other two movies? Let's rank the Guardian soundtracks real quick, and uh, and we'll exclude oh, this man. the Christmas special just because it's Christmassy. I'm. I mean, I can't do anything but number two being the best because it has brandy on I it. I know it really feels like, but. It seems like a weird three-way tie for one, or all for, three-way tie for first place. I, I would have to bring them all up and really, really think about it to know which one I like the best. This had a you lot of tracks that. that I really enjoyed. Uh, you have the technology like, to bring up the, all tracks and listen to them now, which I have just done. So here's my take on the soundtracks from all three. Number one, that was the most I had been introduced to songs that I had never, I had never heard pretty much all of those songs except for spirit in the sky and i heard the pina colada song but all of those other songs blew me away and they were pop songs that had existed for decades before i even know knew about them and found out from that movie so i kind of feel like one for maybe the nostalgia's point of view two you have brandy and uh russell crowe literally or not russell crowe kurt russell um 
tells us that Brandy is the greatest thing mankind has ever done, uh, which was a huge moment and maybe the best part of that movie for us, uh, as we've mentioned before. In addition to that, you have My Sweet Lord and Surrender. It's just really good songs that I'd heard a million times at that point, including Brandy. But Brandy gets points because it is the mankind's greatest creation, and that kind of really escalates that soundtrack. But this one, and I knew a few going in, uh, I don't, I, I, is this one the best? I, I might say this one's the best. It's crazy. It, it's so crazy. It's yeah. I'm so looking good. at them as you're talking. What's your, oh, what man, uh, volume two, just it, there's so many bangers on it, but it's all songs I had heard before, except for the Jay and the American song and, uh, the other wham, bam, shangalang. Yeah. Yeah. So, but those two, I had yeah. not. I had not heard of. I don't know. I, I had heard a lot of the volume one songs too. I had, I was just like, I was going around and people were like, you haven't heard come and get your love. You haven't heard go all the way by the raspberry. And I was like, no, what are these? This soundtrack is so good. I was kept perfectly ignorant from that soundtrack for pretty much my entire youth. And I think that's why I regard it so highly. I also don't like downgrading things just because of my own familiarity. Because that feels like punishing something for being good. Sure, that's um, that. I that's that's why I think two is good because my sweet lord and surrender are both five star songs for me, and I've just heard a million times. But I think they're better than any songs on one. But one, there was all hearing them for the first time, and that was so un- that was such a unique experience. And they're all really you know, good songs. And, and Mr. Blue Sky, my mom has always loved Mr. Blue Sky. Mr. She Blue Sky, had, very like good. A, um, like a ELO greatest hits yeah. when I was a kid that's, that we would listen that's to probably on track trips. one on it. Yeah. And like, I love this song. Yeah. It's etched in my DNA. Yes. Please stop putting it in movies. Hollywood. <laughs> Did Mar- Cause that was another was that one Mario? that was in the Mario. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, why? <laughs> this is so, this has been used so frequently recently. It, we all agree. It's great. Yeah. But like, stop putting it in movies. <laughs> Uh, I think Guardians 2 was the last good movie to use Mr. Blue Sky, and I think it should be taken out of the... And even there, I was a little bit eye-rolly with it. I was like, oh. I don't know. Baby Groot running around. I Yeah, I, I'm in. I know. I'm like, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't to the point where I was um, completely over it. Also, if you hear a buzzer in the background, that is my drive. Okay, good to know. I was hoping there was not some sort of electronic snake about to devour no. you. No. <laughs> It is the loudest dryer I've ever had. It's startlingly loud, and the buzzer lasts uh, an unpredictable length of time, but always slightly longer than you think. (laughs) And you're bringing it with you to Tennessee, right? Definitely not. (laughs) I bought it for 600 bucks after my last one bit the dust. That was the cheapest one they had at Home Depot, and apparently it's because they put this nightmare buzzer on (laughs) it. That sounds like some monkeys on the inside just banging around at the metal parts. Bl- that, that tracks. <laughs> that seems like something that is super relevant to this movie. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> as you, st- I do think I, number two is my favorite. <laughs> I okay. In the meantime, by Space Hog might be the best Guardians of the Galaxy song in the trilogy. Like the best used. Yeah. Like. Uh, the most Guardian song. I don't know what it is about that, but it seems... It is. It, no, it's great. It checks all of the boxes for what you want in a Guardian song. It's catchy. It 
rules. It's classic. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it... Three... This is such a good soundtrack. I can't get over how good this soundtrack is. I also... I love This Is The Day by The The. Oh, okay. Yeah. There... Um, so I, I was really hyped to see that just like even on here. This was um, such an interesting... like collection of songs i've heard a million times some i've never heard and some i liked that i wanted to get to know better and it's 17 songs which is the most he's had on any of these soundtracks um, a lot of them i found like to be surprised that i already knew them yeah for like sure. do you realize yeah i knew them. I, I, yeah. I guess i didn't like i've listened to some flaming lips here and there but that is one of the tracks apparently that i'm i'm quite familiar with yes i cuz i was like i knew the lyrics before i uh, that is done. my favorite flaming lips song so i knew about that one going beforehand i was stoked about the mowgli song san francisco um because during our senior year at jmu my uh programming board brought the mowglis to jmu and i got to meet all mm. of them so that was a little cool like i'm you know, second degree removed from James Gunn a little bit. Um, the way they used that song in the movie was kind of just like James Gunn being like, I have to put this in. It's such a good song. But the only time I can do it is when Gamora is like poorly piloting the spaceship and that's just very staticky in the background and there's a lot of loud crashing noises overpowering. Mm-hmm. Uh, which It's more of an Easter egg than an exactly. actual like, um, And it's such a fun song that feels jam. like a Guardians kind of like, oh, there. it's just fun pop. Really feels like it belongs well. Um, all right, so this soundtrack's good. We can agree. Really good soundtrack. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Really good yeah. soundtrack. Uh, starts off with Creep. What do you think of the Adam Warlock sequence? As soon as Adam Warlock shows up and they all have to fight him individually, I'm 110% into this movie. Yeah, I think it's... It, they. Uh, this is, again, like a James Gum gun thing. James Gum. Okay, I had a mock trial that took a lot of this semester, and the detective's name was Jamie Gum. <laughs> uh, no, no relation, I assume. <laughs> I mean, there shouldn't be. It's M. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So the thing I was going to say that's good about Jane, uh, James Gunn here is that <laughs> I almost did it again. Uh, is that this is a character like what he needs to be is just like this imposing other force that is competing with them to save Rocket in time. Yeah. Like it's just he's another MacGuffin to make that uh, process more stressful than it already is. Sure. Agreed. Um, but he added in this wrinkle. It's like, oh, he's also this funny, dumb idiot that like will be is going through this other kind of internal conflict or whatever. Because he does end up being like joining the Avengers. And at the end of this movie, spoilers, he's a guardian of the galaxy. Right. Um, but but still like it's just a it gives him so much more depth than if he was just like this uh you know uh like just totally intimidating character yes. which is like you could you could have made him like a terminator sure exactly but instead you made him uh just one of your one of your gang and he ends up and that gave him room to like grow if you'd made him a termina- terminator there couldn't have, he would have only been like a plot mechanism and he never could have been a character yes but by giving him a flaw, he could become a character and grow throughout the movie, which he does. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I really just like all that. Uh, just the whole fight sequence. They're all one-offing each other's powers. Uh, Quill is drunk. Um, Drax and Groot show up. Uh, Groot really displays a lot of uh, newfound powers this movie. Um, he's really yeah. firing on all cylinders. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of a little bit what I was just saying about... Uh, 
warlock is sure. because he only ever says I am Groot. Yeah. Mostly. Uh until Yeah. Spoilers. He, he's kind of just there to do whatever they need him to do to make what they want to happen happen. Yeah. But and boy does he help it happen. Uh he can fly yeah. in this one, he can like turn into a spider, a kaiju. Uh, he's a gun storage unit as well, which is really cool. Yeah, apparently whatever they scanned these guys with couldn't go through wood. Well, it's it doesn't... It, I mean, he's he's just a being. Like, why would he have guns? Yeah. That tracks. That makes sense. No problems there. Perfect movie. I'm not... I mean, I'm not throwing out the movie over it, but it, <laughs> it was kind of like, that's weird that worked, but sure, whatever. <laughs> why would Groot have... Groot has never used guns in any of the movie. And I really wish... That they did not show that scene in the promotional material where he has all the arms with all the guns. That would have been so cool to go in blind to. Well, I went in blind. I didn't know that was coming. And I bet you loved it. I I was actually kind of like, doesn't Groot have other powers? Like, couldn't he just be, like, extending his arms out really quick? Which he does. And just, like, pinning them to the wall. I also didn't know this, but James Gunn confirmed this. He takes to Twitter and will answer fan questions. This Groot is not the same Groot as the one from the first movie. Because that Groot oh. died, and you planted part of it, like a seed left behind by the old Groot. So he's like his son. Yes. It is a new Groot, and he has new abilities. And he looks kind of different as well. Like Okay, so that's that's very interesting. Because I thought he was the same Groot. And I thought it was just like they changed his design a little bit. Because I was looking at him in this movie... Especially at the end when he's like full yeah. size in that post credit yep. scene, yeah. I was like, "That's just not what Groot used to look no. like." Why did he grow back so different? Is a, so that makes sense that he is his son. Yes, or, or uh, maybe similar. not blood relative. Who knows? But what? Yeah, whatever. Uh, he is an offspring uh, from the previous Groot from Old Man Groot. Yeah, right. Um. So, Adam Warlock shows up. Great fight sequence. I'm already in. I liked Gamora's uh, wing suit thing that uh, mimicked Tony Stark's from Endgame that she spent a lot of time on the ship with. I'm sure they got to talking about tech and stuff. Gamora? Sorry, not Gamora. Nebula. Yeah. Nebula has the the like jetpack thing that mimics Tony I'm, Stark's laser thing. I'm going to insert my one Nebula pet peeve here. Uh-oh. Here he's here I don't like go. her voice. Why is that a problem? Have I ever made this complaint before? I don't think so. Because I, I was thinking about this uh, throughout this movie, and it's something that's bothered me in every one, but I couldn't remember if I'd ever brought it up on the show. I just feel like her voice sounds strange. Do you not like, like Karen I, Gillan's voice? or I don't know what she sounds like normally, but to me it sounds like she is putting on a low voice that is like straining her and doesn't sound natural because she's trying to sound tough and intimidating. But like it... That's kind like of it doesn't what... sound like a person with a low voice. It sounds like a actress trying to pretend she's a you gruff should... person. I... That's kind of what Karen Gillan sounds like. You should watch any of her other movies. I'd be curious. I mean, I think. could just not like her voice. <laughs> it's <laughs> entirely possible. I feel worse about it because, like, right now I'm criticizing it because I think it's a choice that she's making. But if it's not a choice <laughs> she's making, then sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Karen Gillan. We'll never get her on the Your pod voice... now. <laughs> Sorry, Karen Gillian, your voice sounds like you're trying too hard to, <laughs> to make it sound like it does. Um, Adam Warlock shows up, shoots Rocket, uh, injures Rocket, and then Nebula, after she basically injures the rest of the Guardians, including Nebula, Nebula comes back after he beats Drax. Nebula stabs him with a sword, um, and he has to retreat 
the Guardians regroup, and they realize Rocket has a kill switch that was put in him by his creator. Uh, and this is when the flashbacks start. Um, so I guess now is an appropriate time to talk about Rocket's arc and side the side quest, I guess, with his with the flashbacks. What do you think of this? So I do think they were effective at, you know, pulling on the heartstrings. Did they remind but... you of Sid's messed up toys from Toy Story 1? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what immediately what I thought of. Yeah, but my, my uh, maybe criticism of them is that it felt like almost cheap to like emotionally you, you manipulative. Yeah, like yeah. you just have this like tiny little animal mm-hmm. and then you tor- tor- torture it. Yeah. And then like it, you know, it's like all teary and it's like all it's, uh, he comes in, all he says is hurt. So here like, is, and I, I think we're going to agree 100% on this. And then we're both going to say that the rest of the movie is perfect. This is my <laughs> 0.5 knock that keeps it from being perfect. Hmm. This movie currently has a 4.2 on Letterboxd. Uh, it's been out for about 10 days, so that will drop, but it will not drop a lot. And it mm-hmm. maybe it'll stay. It's more likely going to drop. Right now, Infinity War is second place with 4.0. Endgame has a 3.9. And Guardians 1 has a 3.8. Wait, this is the highest rated MCU on Letterboxd. And I'm like, why is this? This is fascinating. It's a really good movie, but really, like, people aren't more rallying for Endgame. And all the comments are the animals. And did you see what PETA did this week? No. PETA awarded it the movie of the year. Like, apparently, PETA has movie awards to the most, like, sympathetic or advocating for animals kind of thing. I guess because the end sequence. Yeah, well, the the guy who fucks with animals gets his just desserts. So yeah. I and really like leaving the staff screening. It was it was we're all pretty much unanimous. Like there were twenty of us there. Everyone loved it for different reasons, but we were all positive. It was not like leaving the quantum mania screening where I had to defend it for forty five minutes and I was just being obliterated <laughs> by comments. Um, but everyone was like. The animals were so cute. Like, I felt so sympathetic for these. And I'm going to sell you something right now if it hasn't come up on this podcast. And this makes me sound soulless. So I'm not really, you know, I don't want it to sound soulless. But I think anytime there's an animal in that movie and it's like tortured or whatever, I think that is exclusively for the sake of manipulating the audience. And I don't really, I turn off, like I don't care. So stuff like Old Yeller, I think about Old Yeller, and then I watch Old Yeller, and maybe it's more of a book than a movie. The movie's not very good, and really all the movie has going for it is the dog dying at the end, and it's this very emotionally heavy payoff. I, The animals in this movie did nothing emotionally for me, and I feel like it is tugging at the heartstrings of a lot of people our age or slightly younger, and they're immediately like five stars just because of so- that. So I, I think it kind of did work for me. Interesting. Despite me feeling manipulated by Interesting. it. Interesting. It's kind of like, I don't know, like a sales tactic or something, which like you can tell you're being sold something to, but you're also still kind of... You're buying like, the thing. Like, I don't know, like an advertisement for a beer. Like occasionally I'm just like, oh, I do want a beer now. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. like, like you tried to do it and you did it. Yeah. Now I want a beer. Sure. <laughs> um, but like that's what this was a little bit. It's just like... Like, of course, if you do these things in a movie, you will produce an emotion. But, like, I don't know. It just didn't feel, like, super earned. Like, it just is, like, of course. I – so 
and there were people crying and talking about crying during the movie. I felt, and I'm not saying it made the movie worse. I think it is an excellent plot device that really paid off in the end, and I think it is a very well-told story. I just did not connect emotionally to that arc, and I did tear up at a line in this movie, and nobody I've talked to has ever... Everyone's sad about the animals. Can you guess what I teared up during? Hmm. You would have immediately uh, assumed the animals. Like if I told which you before. part of the movie the is end. it in? Okay. Hmm. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't I think, think you're going to get it because I, I haven't really seen anyone else share this sentiment. The funniest one would be if after Chris Pratt is laying there with his face all swollen and he said, did I look cool? <laughs> and That'd I be cried. the funniest one. Yeah, yeah you cried. Um, <laughs> you did. You look so cool. <laughs> we'll circle back to it at the end. But I did tear up. Not as much. And I also have to go back. I, I like Guardians one more than this. Mm. Um, I think Guardians 1 is a perfectly well-told movie. I'm going to rewatch this tomorrow. My opinion might change. This might boost. But I think the animal subplot kind of has me connecting less with this movie than one that is just kind of about these heroes and Peter dealing with his his loss of his mother and stuff. My other note for these segments Mm -hmm. is get a child to do the voice acting. You don't like Linda Tortellini or whatever we called her? No, 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 no. No, the, the... Rocket's voice. I thought Rocket's voice was very distracting. It was just Bradley Cooper, but he sounded like a kid. But he didn't sound like a kid. He sounded like Bradley Cooper pitched up. That's my problem. That's what if it Bradley sounded Cooper like a kid, like a kid, kid sounds like. I doubt it. <laughs> so basically, your biggest complaints with this movie are not listening to what people sounded like at a different time in their lives that isn't this movie. I mean... What if Bradley Cooper it's, sounded it's like an, that as a child? Would you feel bad? It audio visual medium if the audio is irritating that's a big part of the movie but would, I, I just thought his voice was bad would you feel bad if that's what bradley cooper sounded like as a child nah <laughs> yeah. he's had enough success that he could handle that insult <laughs> that criticism your voice yeah. sounded dumb yeah um but would you time travel to make fun of bradley cooper's voice if he sounded like that do i have the option to time travel to do something nope, else? nope it's just that well, in that case, I just want to experience what time travel's like, so I guess I take the opportunity. And you yell at a seven-year-old for having a dumb voice. I, do I have to yell? I have to raise my voice? Or can How, I just all tell right, them? Pretend I'm seven and you just time-traveled. Okay. Hey, Bradley. Hi! Ooh. <laughs> Bradley, I'm going to stop you there. I have good news and bad news. What's the bad news? <laughs> you have a very irritating voice, Uh-oh. but you're going to want to hear this good news. What's the good news? You go on to be a very famous movie star. Oh, boy, really? And all of your dreams will come true. I don't know. After taking this criticism, I think I'm going to abandon that that lifestyle. <laughs> so you're going to give up on the I'm movie star up. thing because of your stupid voice? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess you're not as tough as I hoped you'd be. Um, so someone else, I guess, will just take your role. It's not like these movies aren't going to be made just because you don't exist. So anyway, oh, bye. Oh, no. And scene. You ruined that wow. kid's life. How d- I don't feel bad. <laughs> How dare you? Um, yeah, that's not a qualm I have with this movie. His voice, it's, it's fine. You got Bradley Cooper. Like, don't pay a kid to do an adult's job. You have a, an A-list actor. Let him do it. Um, wh- but then you wouldn't have to pay the A-list actor as much. You could save some money. 
you have to pay him the same amount no matter what. He has like whatever his contract is. He's like, you get me for ten million, I do whatever you want. No more, no less. Uh, so you weren't upset with Linda, uh, Hawkeye's wife playing another character in the MCU? I mean, my only note there is just that also, man, this is making me sound like a psychic, <laughs> but she has a very sweet voice that is almost saccharine. Like it's like a, they were establishing her as a lovable character immediately, but she was just hamming it up so much. Oh like they were God. so innocent and nice. Yeah. It was like to a comical degree, how innocent and nice it's they like, were. It's like the opposite of the South Park Christmas critters. Like, if yeah. those critters did not go on to, like, be satanic worshippers and murder people. That... Yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, yeah, it, to to make someone's backstory is, like, when I was a kid, I had these friends. And then all the friends were, like, we love you. We're yeah. perfect. Yes. We only want rainbows and happiness yeah. forever. <laughs> and then you know what happened to my friends? They were all set on fire. <laughs> it's, like, whoa, no, that's so sad. <laughs> it's, like, I, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> But that's that's easy. <laughs> it's easy to take really yes. sweet things, do terrible things to them, and make people feel bad about that. I agree. That is my one qualm with this movie, talking about the animals. But I feel that way about all animal movies. I There's nothing there to get me to care about animals that are behind a screen. Um, even, you know, like, I, just, I, I think this movie rules. That's just... Uh, I, I guess I like the um, the touch when he is setting them all on fire, so to speak. Um, when Teefs is what I, he's saying all four of their names over and over again because it's just like all he knows to say. I think that's a pretty clever touch, like because hmm. it does tug at the heartstrings, but in a way that I would not have thought. It's not like shoving sugar cubes down your throat kind of deal. It's more like I'm thinking about why is he saying. And, like, mm-hmm. it's not clear, but you're assuming that it's like, oh, these are his four friends. He wants them all to live. It's all he knows. And he's, like, he's rooting for them. And he's just kind of this damaged creature. Um, so, yeah, wow, we both sound maniacal just destroying these people for, <laughs> for, for just shitting on all this happiness that they're uh, they're conveying. Um, but well, I'm just saying it's cheap sadness. I agree with that. But specifically anyway, so let's, the animal stuff. So next, like in the present timeline, I think the next thing is meeting up with Gamora and going to Orgo Corp. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, I want to – I'll just get my arcs out of the way now because I think this Gamora segue is, is good. I really love how Nebula and Gamora basically switch from Guardians 1 to Guardians 3 over the 6 or 7 – projects that they're in uh six well thor love and thunder so seven did you notice their spacesuits? uh 2001 space odyssey no I, I was gonna say gamora has green skin she was in a blue suit and nebula uh, has blue skin and was in a green suit showing how they've switched yes roles. they have switched roles because because uh, everyone else kind of i mean uh uh kind of matched their suit except for yes Drax, who very uh, adamantly felt he did not match his suit, even though he kind of did. Gamora and Nebula completely switch, and Nebula also starts off as as a Ravager, and Gamora becomes a Ravager. Rocket and Star-Lord also switch, if you notice that arc as well. 
because Star-Lord mm-hmm. loves music. Rocket, as soon as he introduces Rocket to music, he's like, what is this crap? Why is it so loud? And slowly, over the course of this franchise, Rocket is becoming more and more enamored with the music. And Quill, at the end of this movie, very beautifully leaves music behind because he realizes it was a coping device to get over the loss of his mother. And he Well, and of course, the High Evolutionary introduced Rocket to music in one of the scenes in this movie. Also, which if it's something that the High Evolutionary yeah. likes, it's probably something that Rocket is skeptical of. Sure, exactly. Um, we should also mention, I guess, if we're going to cover the entire uh, flashback arc, we should also mention like why the fla- the the High Evolutionary wants to kill Rocket because he has created a being smarter than him, which I think is a really cool villain mechanic. Um, Especially if, you know, when you think about the high evolutionary as basically being a god surrogate kind of yes. character. Yes, and his line, I saw this all over Twitter too much to the point where it almost just made it like, oh, everyone thinks it's cool, it's kind of lame. But the uh, there is no god, that's why I stepped in. I was like, mm-hmm. fuck yeah, that's proper Marvel villain. And then, you know, I bet a whole bunch of people got that tattooed on their arm this past weekend at some point. I mean, it's the kind of schmaltz you should have yeah. in this kind of spectacle of a movie, you know? Yes, agreed. Like, you're, this, the stakes are supposed to be ridiculous and high. Yes. What a better villain than someone who thinks they're God. Yeah. And he, he you know, can, convincing, I mean, he's not benevolent or anything, but he's like, has God-like he tendencies. He can planets. Yeah, that's pretty big. <laughs> He can make yeah. beings, and he can have them live on planets and watch over them and destroy them whenever he wants. Yeah. Uh, pretty godlike. Um, so Rocket, yeah, they all the uh, his friends die. Rocket like scratches the shit out of the high evolutionary's face. So is that? I didn't pick up on this a hundred percent, but like it looks like his skin is being pulled back onto his face in the mo- or the current timeline. Was that because Rocket, Rocket like scratched it off, or was that just he no, always so, looked like so that? So when when the his face is peeled off and okay. you see the meat behind it, that's right. That is the face that Rocket left him. Oh. Then he he had this mask that he pulled over his face, so he still looked like okay. himself. I it's also been ten but, days since I've seen this, so I'm a little... yeah. But his true face is the one underneath the mask. Okay, cool. That's good to know. I like that touch a lot. Yeah, Rocket completely destroyed his face. Did you just watch this today? Yes. Okay, so this is fresh for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch that at, at 12.30 today. Okay, so you've had time to mull it over. Yeah, a little bit. Except for I've been playing Tears of the Kingdom, which well, came out today. Naturally, what all lawyers do with their free time. <laughs> um, so, yes, they go to, uh, they meet up with Gamora. They go into this, I like the design of this spaceship. Like, it's just all, I don't know, like, what's the, it's just like it's Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's kind of Rick and Morty. It's very Rick just, and Morty. Because it's just like, you know, space, anything can happen. So here, what what about a flesh ship? Yeah. Um, yeah, flesh ship. That's, what I'm, one, that's the word I'm looking for. My one note for... Flesh ship? This kind of segment, mm-hmm. and maybe this is like a note in the movie in general, is that the character design, I think, is for the most part awesome. Yeah. There are so many interesting looking characters, even in places where you wouldn't need to have an interesting character. It's like someone has come up with some concept art. They've realized this thing and they made it happen. And that's awesome. Sure. Like, I think that's really cool. My only gripe with that is that often the choice was to come up with something weird and grotesque. Okay. And I can see how each individual time as you're creating this art, that's interesting and amusing. But like, there's so much kind of, 
and and there's definitely going to be lots of people who disagree with me on this. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you're just you're making fun of seven year olds' voices. What, like, what if these ugly pe- pe- beings that you see, you view as ugly, are like someone's like, oh, I really thought that guy was cute. Well, but my point isn't that any individual are bad. I think they're all individually good. My feeling is just that when you're watching like this this two and a half hour movie. And there are so many like kind of weird and unsettling looking things. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like it, it they lose their impact a little bit, and also, I don't know. Like, there's only so many things that I can look at and be like, oh, that's eh. like <laughs> thrown off by sure in a single movie. And this really tested my tolerance of how many different creatures I could look at and be like, Ugh, that's a so you want less creatures, more humans? I don't know, or just maybe. Uh, more slightly neutral designs like like uh they just they really inserted anywhere that they could insert like something unsettling looking that also did. that's a strange critique coming from you because i feel like at the start of this podcast you would have advocated for this type of movie i i, I completely agree that it's something it's something that i that's why i'm that's why i'm so um mixed about it is that I liked them individually. I just felt like it was turned up to 11 here and I think it would have been better at 10. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Weird complaint. Uh, but all right. So far, I'm just saying, I'm just saying when you're, when you're, when you've already seen animal torture and then these weird cyborg animals, and then you see the guy in the test tube, like the turtle that grows like in a horrific way. And then, is murdered and then you you finally go to another scene and you're going to a flesh planet where everything's still goopy and gross it's like can we have a break from stuff being disgusting for like like 10 minutes and then we'll, we can get right back to it i don't mind it but like not just all wall to wall uh yeah weird complaint that was definitely not something i had wrong with this movie <laughs> i mean as far as i, I know I you hated it because you hate all of phase five but <laughs> these are some really bad digs at this good movie so good I'm luck saying, good luck it's, convincing it's the people this one sucks because it doesn't <laughs> and you're wrong um nathan fillion he was pretty fun in it that was yeah. a nice little cameo uh did you crazy re- crazy costume yeah did you like the 2001 Space Odyssey reference, the homage with their suits? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, all the art design is fantastic. I like the buttons, too, the, Just the, a bit the much. button sequence. There's a lot of really good button sequences, or so, not mm. button sequences, sequences where they're all talking. And even though, like, their team is different, like, Gamora's a new person, like, it just works so well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like this whole sequence. I weirdly thought, I went into this movie certain that Rocket would not die because the promotional material made it look like he was going to die so hard. Mm-hmm. It was all sad raccoon, sad raccoon. By the way, uh, Rocket's going to die and Peter Quill is crying over it. Um, and they showed yep. no promo with Drax. So I was like, Drax is going to die. He did the thing where he killed Thanos. He needs to have a warrior's death and go be with his his wife and daughter in the afterlife. Uh, Orgo Corp... It's interesting. A lot of Marvel movies do this where they have like kind of their first location. Yeah. That it's like, well, we need we need to go do something somewhere else for a little bit because sure. it, if we if we went to the main thing now, that'd yeah. be too early. Yes. Correct. You know, it's like in Black Panther they had to go to South Korea. Yep. Um which I'm going to rewatch tonight. If I uh was less tired, I'm sure I could think of many other examples. Nope, that's the only online. other one. <laughs> it's the only time that's ever happened. Only other time. <laughs> yeah. 
but that that was like kind of uh, what this this felt like is like okay, well we got to do something, and so they they go to this place just to get this orb to tell them where to go to the next place. Yes. So it's a little bit contrived, but you know obviously they keep it visually interesting. Like everything about this this space station is bizarre. The weird goopy things they put their hands into really work the computer. It does computers. feel like Rick and Morty, and it's so weird that this because Quantum Mania also tried to be Rick and Morty, and this yeah. looks better. But is yeah. is is the set design more practical here? Like, and because Quantumania definitely has a lot of CGI. Yeah. But I, why does this look better? I think the the people making the concept art did better. Okay. I think they had more. I don't know original ideas or something. Or like like there's definitely a cohesive vision to it. It's just one that I also found slightly off putting, but I do think is very well done for what it is. Sure. That's fair. Um, all right. So they get the thing, then they go to, they immediately go to the third planet, right? Like it's only three stops. There's nowhere, there's Orgo Corp and then the planet and they end up on the high evolutionary ship, but that's on the planet. Yeah. Is that all right? And then the yeah, flashbacks, that's kind of a transition flashbacks, uh, are happening simultaneously. We kind of just cover the entirety of the flashbacks in right. one, one discussion. Um, and, okay, so again, we go to this new planet, and we see all these human-animal-creature hybrids. Yeah. And again, like, there, there's there's ways to draw anthropomorphic animals that are less unsettling than these people. But again, that's just that's just the style that this movie chose to go with, and they're How, certainly well-designed. Would you have rather, like, would this have alleviated your concern for seeing, like, alien diversity on the screen? Would you have rather this planet been humans? Or, like, human people well, who had, like, makeup on or something? So it's not even, like, a um, like a conceptual thing. It's just, like, a detail thing. Like, these things, like, they have, like, unsettlingly kind of realness to them. Like, there's a way you can make them more, um, I don't know. Like, Star Wars aliens don't feel like this. Uh, because they're, like, Chewbacca I, doesn't because he's wearing a costume? What do you... I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on exactly, but like, mm. like the the designs for them seem They're, like they they I don't c- could understand. They do this movie has like a weird amount of body horror for a kid movie because there's like animals yeah, being aged and, up graphically and they look like they're suffering. But then, so, like even the animals that they turn into are yeah. very strange. Like I don't know if you've ever seen. Um, like occasionally, I'll see a. a something posted on reddit around easter that's like these old mascot costumes before they figured out how to do it and like some of those mascot costumes you're like oh god that's kind of a nightmare that's a little bit how i felt about the animals on this planet is they're like slightly freaky it's kind of like tusk yeah well i mean i definitely do not like tusk did you watch tusk i didn't i just i mean i saw images from it and it's like like that similar kind of like like human being stretched into an animal shape. I got like zero tusk vibes from this. I gotta say, I mean the I body got horror more a than bit. zero. Uh, yeah, I mean the body horror kind of, but again, I don't know. It's just a wacky zany. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Uh, this is a weird take from coming from you. I didn't think that this would be your <laughs> biggest grievance with this movie. Uh, much like when you off, often dislike something about a Marvel, it's never what I think you're going to dislike. Unless it's Quantumania. Then I know exactly what you're going to dislike <laughs> about it, and I have counters. Um, 
so they yeah they do all this stuff uh and we get they meet the family uh that they don't that doesn't speak english they're still looking for rocket's heart or whatever the the key to unlock the the kill switch um and the sequence with drax on the couch might be the most fun i had comedically with the movie like the most hmm. i laughed in like just as as far as writing goes as their back and forth their banter because all of them are involved with it and it all circles back to drax like why is the couch oblong if it's not meant to be laid on kind of deal my f- favorite line is a drax line but we have not gotten to it yet okay i look forward is it his monkey impression because that also had me rolling no, okay. but that is closer to when it happens. Okay. Um, we also, around this sequence, get the very first MCU F-word oh. given to us by um, Peter Quill himself. I uh, knew that every PG-13 movie can have one F-bomb. Correct. But I didn't know that the MCU never cashed out their F-bomb card. Feige was always like, we're a family organization. Like, that's not very family-like. Uh, so well, this James, isn't a very family movie, so... <laughs> well, I think he's, after Multiverse of Madness, kind of branching out, and, you know, they're... Also, Disney Plus has the Punisher on it now, so I think they're kind of rebranding. They've done the... The Infinity Saga can be the family saga. Hmm. Even though there is some dark stuff in that as well. More um, conceptual than, like, so it's tangible as this. If you recall, uh, it's Mantis who's trying to get into the car, um, and... No, it's uh, Nebula. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. She's trying to oh, push Mantis the button. Oh, Mantis stays behind. That's right. Yes, that's right. And Quill is trying to explain to Howard how, how to get in. This was not in the script. He ad-libbed the line, now get in the fucking car, which <laughs> I knew that there was going to be an F-bomb in it, and I saw that scene dropped a week earlier, but I didn't watch it, which mm-hmm. I'm so happy I didn't because... That line absolutely delivered so hard for me, and I laughed very loud. I liked it a lot. Um, he says the F word. James Gunn is like, Feige, here's the cut. And Feige's like, you don't want to be the first director in the MCU to put an F word in one of your movies. And James Gunn is like, have you met me? Of course I do. Uh, and Feige gave him his blessing, and we have history made. You know what's funny? is right after this, Star-Lord struggles to drive a car. Well, I mean, he hasn't been on Earth in quite some time. That's what he says. But, like, I feel like the MCU is full of people wandering into a spaceship for the first time and then just sitting down at the controls knowing what to do. Name several examples when. Oh, man. We'd have to, like, look through, like, no, past I, I movies. I think you but... just can't think of any because they don't exist. Uh, I, think, I think Thor definitely shows up... Uh... Like the spaceship that Hulk and Thor escaped with on Ragnarok. Well, yeah, that's the the Quinjet. They all know how, all the Avengers know how to fly the Quinjet. When okay, <laughs> <laughs> they had some training at some point, I well, suppose. Well, I mean, to get into the Avengers, I guess you're talking. You're not talking. I'm confident the, I can find examples of this. Nope, I just don't have zero. them on me. <laughs> <laughs> zero examples. Um, I left my license at home, officer. My only yeah. <laughs> My only rebuttal would be I feel like spaceships, and maybe this is just They're kind of all the same, but cars, no, they're no, complicated. I think the opposite. Uh, I think they are very advanced, and maybe this is just me as a small-minded human. I feel like aliens make it super user-friendly and just, you know how easy it is to drive a Tesla? I feel like 
that's ramped up to 11 and you go to space and you just go in and you think maybe it's even powered with your mind because we can't even fathom that you just go in and be like i want to fly the ship this looks like a steering wheel i'll fly it and maybe your mind's doing the the driving the whole time you know just thinking of examples for what i just said gamora who hasn't been on their spaceship ever flies it for the first time she does struggle a little bit but she does manage to fly it and then nebula later plugs her finger cables into that giant spaceship and also flies it well she's half computer so that makes sense yeah this isn't like a black that makes sense (laughs) this isn't like a black (laughs) widow hacking in iron man 2 which also makes sense i don't know what your gripe is she's an international spy yeah, there's some other funny spaceship stuff in this movie because, like, for instance, they're flying around in one of the later fight scenes, and like on a couple occasions, someone like busts through the front window. Like, um, the uh, warlock does that; he comes and tackles Star Lord, yes. breaks the front window, and that has no adverse effects on the people inside the spaceship. And then also that happens with Rocket, like one of those enemies on the outside punches through his windshield and is trying to grab him. Again, no adverse effects from having suddenly being exposed to the vacuum of space. And then later, when Star-Lord is jumping from one ship to the other, suddenly the vacuum of space matters and he starts to swell up. It's just well, no, interesting I think how that happens. Within the ship, I think like you know the laser screen immediately comes on. Kind of like in Dead Space, whenever you blow out a window, like the window just like the lasers pop up or like the metal. That's a fun thing down. to imagine. There's no, I mean, obviously they have some explanation in mind because they did not address it at all. But yeah, uh, I think it's fine. Yeah, they hand wave. <laughs> Don't I mean, think too hard. There's just so much oxygen at these ships that it wouldn't affect them. Yeah, they're just blasting it all out yeah. of space. It's fine. Perfect I'm just movie. saying. Perfect movie. Uh, and then, all right, we got the F-bomb. Peter, Groot, and Nebula go to the space station. And Nebula has so to wait So he wants out. Nebula to wait outside. Nebula has to wait outside. Yeah. And then Groot and Peter go in. Because she has, like, she's a human gun. She can't come in. Yeah. Um, Drax is supposed to guard Rocket from the impending Adam Warlock, and Gamora is also there, and Mantis, and uh, Drax gets on the bike, he's like, let's go help him, and he tricks Mantis into going. I also like this sequence a lot, I think it's pretty entertaining. Um, And then I think we get the first showdown with, am I skipping, did we heal Rocket yet? Or no? We haven't, no, he's he's still, because that's, Gamora has to Gamora has to protect Rocket. Um, so Peter first meets the high evolutionary. I think this is a really cool intro to the villain, uh, to Peter. Like he just shows up and he holds up the finger. He's like, wait, like very godlike, very, uh, Logan Roy from succession kind of vibes. Um, I like this a lot. And then, uh, Peter is just like, Hey, fuck you, man. Like I'm star Lord. Uh, and he's like, okay, well that means nothing to me kind of deal. And he's like, all right, Groot, now give me all the guns. And Groot opens up, and then there's all these guns in there, and it's really cool. There's such a big shootout between all of the High Evolutionary's men and everything. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked Yeah, this, this action, action scene's action fine. I, I think this really one good. isn't the standout. I think there is a standout action scene there in the movie, sure and it is, is not I this think one. we're going to agree. Yeah, but this one does end with a cool sequence where they jump out of the thing and then murder this guy by dragging him on the ground as they land. Which was yeah, neat. that yeah, that was really intense. 
Um, this is it does seem like a darker movie. Do yeah, you... they they've had less deliberately, you know, characters murdering someone. Like, especially I mean, a character that is beyond just, like, a, a generic background henchman. Like, this yeah. wasn't, like, a good guy or anything. But it no. was a character that we'd heard from a little bit here and there throughout the movie. Yes. And then we see him get, like, murdered, and then we see his dead body. Yeah. And Multiverse of Madness, there's a ton of brutal murder in that. Mm-hmm. Naturally. Um, and that made $955 million. Do you think this breaks a billion? I don't know. I don't know how these movies have played so in the past. The first one was globally. an August release, and it was one of the highest grossing movies in August, maybe at the time the highest grossing. It ran number one for five weeks. It made about $750 million. Second one, Drops in May, is a lesser movie, as we both agree, uh, made $850 million. Mm. Um, This one right now has made $350 million after the first weekend, first 10 days, I guess. Hmm. So I think the difficulty with these movies is that you do lose a lot when you like at the dialogue and stuff. I guess it depends how well they're localized. I, do you think this should perform? Well, let's not get it. We don't need to get into your review. Uh, but are you surprised? Like, do you think it will make a billion based on what the public, how the public perceived multiverse of madness, which we both really enjoyed? Mm, I mean, I think guardians is a pretty strong brand and I think this is, it's a, it's a spectacle. So, like, even if you go in and you're not paying super attention, I think visually it's interesting enough to get people, you know, to maybe show up. In it. Yeah. There, there might also be a lot of lore. I I guess we didn't touch on it, but I really like um, when they're on the elevator and Peter is explaining his and Gamora's entire history to new Gamora. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty entertaining, and that's a good way to catch the audience up for people right. who have not seen all six of these movies. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that you feels like it, it's a result of a note. Like, someone told James Gunn, it's like, remind everybody what happened here? It's like, okay, here. Sure. Like, this is a funny way for me to do that. Yeah, yeah. I I can see that. Um, so they... I really also like uh, Star-Lord Groot, who can now fly. He We also forgot to mention that. That's part of his new powers. Um, they go down and meet up well, with Well, he Gamora. can glide. Glide, sure. Um meet up with Gamora and Rocket, and then Drax and Mantis and Nebula all get on the ship uh, to save the other people. So they did a whole switcheroo, which I thought was pretty fun. Yeah, pretty and now, and then Rocket is finally healed, so he can yes. join the present-day timeline. Yes. And um, I thought that was all really cool. Like, did you, just I, emotional. Great stuff. sequence, yeah. Uh, I, Chris Pratt, like, yelling no. Like, I think that was super convincing. Some of the I also think... Zoe Saldana did a good job of, of caring, but not caring. Exactly. Like she cared, like, I mean, like any stranger as an would, outsider would, have, would yeah. have cared watching that, but she didn't care as if like a family member or something, Yeah, which is like the exact kind of balance that she needed to strike. And I think, yes. I mean, we haven't talked about this too much in general, except for, I guess we're just now getting into it. Cause you were just mentioning how they explained her backstory. Yeah. But I think this relationship is handled very interestingly. So well, it, it's, like, it's it would have been so easy to just, you know, set them back up, you know, yeah. and just have him, like, you know, you could have cute little sequences where he reminds her of their history. and it's Like, like a 50 first, first dating, date but, situ- situation. Yeah, and then they kind of, like, the rest of the movie, it's just back to normal. Like, yeah. that would have been lazy and stupid. And I did and, kind of think, 
and I didn't want them to, but I was like, oh, is he going to do this? Is he going to sell out? And then when Peter Quill is like dying in space and suffocating, I'm like, oh, Gamora's going to save him and they're going to get together. That didn't happen. I was so yeah. satisfied when that did not happen. That was right. thrilling. Um, so, yeah, I really like the way they handle this relationship and how they don't end up together at the end. Uh, I So did you think... where? As far as, like, endings go, you knew this was more or less going to be the last of the trilogy. Like, did you think people would die at any point in the movie? So one thing, uh, I guess I didn't. Um, but one thing I was thinking of during this movie mm-hmm. was that it's a shame that it's kind of the end of the trilogy. Because I feel like you could do a movie like this for every member of the Guardians. Sure. Like do do the Drax movie where where the flashback this time is Drax's past. Yeah, and true. Or, or, or and do do one for just um, like a Marvel pre- special presentation, like the forty five minute things they put on Disney Plus. Like, but I guess we something. kind of have that for Mantis. That was a little bit Guardians. We do. Two. Yeah, her movie is pretty much two, um, and then and Peters is arguably one. Peters is one. Gamora's is kind of Infinity War because you get yeah. the flashback with Thanos when she's a child. And, and Nebula's then, maybe two, just because you also see her kind of deconstruct. Nebula is two as well as also kind of an endgame. Um, but Drax, have, I guess. Drax and Groot are Drax and Groot do not have one. I don't know if Groot... I mean, Groot has the five little Pixar shorts. So we're kind of mm. getting his vibe there. Um, I don't... Yeah, that doesn't seem too crazy. I would love for them to do a... Like a... More like a... Um, like a 15-minute... You know, like the intro of Up, where it's just yeah. silent, but like sure. it has because you have to with Groot because you yes. can't have dialogue. Yeah. But to but to have him go through, you know, just give him some character. Like, what is a loss that Groot has suffered somewhere along the way yeah. that helped him fit in with this ragtag group of people who are all sure. suffering from a loss in some way? Yeah. Like, I feel like you could do a really poignant, silent story in that style. I would agree with that. Uh... Also, I mean, Drax can say more things too, but I would, yeah, maybe not for him. Um, I don't know. The Pixar things are similar, like, but they're a bit like they're for kids. They're a bit more wacky. The last one is kind of a little more like he's making a painting and you don't know what it is. Uh, and he's just like going around the ship, taking stuff from everybody's rooms. Um, and you're like, what's this thing he's making? And then, uh, rocket like goes in there and he's like why'd you take my thing and then he pulls up the picture and it says my family or my best friends or something like that and it's all mm. all pieces of them so that's kind of except it's you know more juvenile and more pixar like less less sad um less relating to hurt um i guess it, it maybe could be interesting having something about this Groot coming to know the former Groot. Like not like actually knowing each yeah. other, but know of him knowing and like his sacrifice and that kind sure. of thing. How his life enabled his life. That's true. Um, so they are. They've done the switcheroo. Rocket is saved. Um, oh, but you didn't think anyone was going to die. That was my question. Yeah, not really. Okay, I thought weirdly. I mean, I I told you going in. I thought Drax was going to die at some point. I thought they were going to kill off like three of them. Maybe like. Not Rocket, because he was in the promotional material. Uh, Not Gamora, because they already killed her off in Infinity War. It would be weird to kill her again. Um, And then Star-Lord, maybe. I don't know. 
but Chris Pratt is worth a lot of money and Disney loves Chris Pratt. Uh, I mean, well, I will say this about your question. I did think when Drax got shot twice that he might, yeah. he, was, he, he could have died. There. That was the exact moment where I thought he was going to die. And I'm like, is really this early? We're going to have a fatality? Yeah. Like that was so such strange placement for that. Like 45 to an hour into the movie. Like Yeah, going into the movie I didn't think anyone could die, but like in the movie when those things that happened and when the Star-Lord thing happens later, I was like, yeah. I guess they could kill him. I mean, Yeah. I mean, I I really like that they didn't, but we're we're about to approach the end. So, yeah. Uh fight sequence again, well, they realize that their friends are on the ship. The high evolutionary has blown up the planet. Uh, so the Guardians are split up, and half of them are on the ship with the Evolutionary, half of them are in their ship, and Star-Lord and Rocket and Gamora and Groot, right? That's the lineup. They go save Nebula, Drax, and Mantis, uh, who yeah, are on the ship. Yeah, and they don't end up have to do much. And they find out that the ship is... Oh, and Adam Warlock's mother is blown up as well, because she's also on this planet. Oh. Yes. Important and, plot point. And this is where my favorite Drax line is. Oh, what? I'm Nebula what and is. Mantis are arguing about whether Drax is an idiot. Oh, and, yes. Okay. And Mantis is basically like, sure, he's an idiot, but like all these <laughs> other good things. And Drax says, I'm not sure I appreciate this defense. That is <laughs> oh, that yeah. was my favorite that, that was line really in the movie. Good. That was really good. That, that, that was, was the only thing I like la- laughed out loud at. And it was oh, funny really? because other people in my theater were laughing at other stuff. Yeah, but they no one no laughed one, at that. No one laughed at that, only me. <laughs> oh, no, I laughed at that. I laughed at a lot of other stuff, but I definitely, I yeah, yeah that was a very good line and very dry, subtle delivery. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, also, was, why was he able to know their language? They never explained that at all. Like, it's, he, it's funny. No, well, you didn't ask him. Did you think about that? But why wouldn't it have shown Drax up in her universal translator? How could how did when did Drax have the time to learn a language that's so obscure in the universe that it's not in a universal translator that this like you know that uh, what's her name Nebula uh, or Mantis Mantis yeah and Mantis's translator yeah like her well, whole job maybe. Yeah, she just didn't have that, and Drax... I mean, for all the people who know all the languages, there's bound to be... Like, if you're multilingual and you know eight languages, like, there's bound to be somebody who knows a language that you don't. That just that just makes sense. Sure, but if, if you then... If we were talking to this guy, and he knows 16 languages, and then someone yep. walks up to us... Speaks then, English. Well, and then... Well, no, they speak a different language... <laughs> And then the guy with 16 languages, he has no idea what yeah. it is. It's like, I don't know and then, and then I start talking to him. You're not going to be like, Jordan, how did you know that language? I would, I mean, I'd have the question, but then I would, you'd explain it. And I'd be like, oh, okay, that but makes they, sense. Okay, so that's the part they didn't do in this movie. <laughs> that's, that's the whole point. <laughs> they but didn't I explain. Like, you could have just been like, I spent a summer in blah, blah, blah. And then, so like, that, like when can make it Thor, Thor says they taught Groot in Asgard, when he can understand Groot. Yeah, just a okay. throwaway line. I don't. I think the throwaway line in this is like they were making fun of him, and he's like, "I'm not stupid. You think yeah. I'm stupid, but I just got us out of this jam we were in." And I think that's the whole point. Yeah, because otherwise he doesn't have the upper hand. Because they're making fun of him, and then you're gonna think he's an idiot for the rest of the movie. But actually, he's the smartest character in the group. 
because he knows the language that nobody does. Established. (laughs) Super smart. Um, All right. I think we're coming up on our has to be agreed upon favorite fight sequence. Uh, No sleep till Brooklyn. Yes, the gang gets back together. No sleep till Brooklyn. Hallway one shot fight scene. You know that I am not a big action guy, but even <laughs> even this little this heart it broke of coal your heart I of have, stone. <laughs> yeah, it I made was it like, through? I was like, okay, fuck yeah, we're doing it. No, <laughs> oh, uh, sleep, Montel Brooklyn. <laughs> and yeah. you got up and started pu- uh, punching the air like Rocky. Yeah, no, I mean, seat. I was punching the other uh, guests. They oh, evacuated okay. the theater. It was well. like I. I mean, you don't want them getting in the way of your, your movie experience. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it was a really maybe top five Marvel fight sequences, fight top ten. I don't. It, it was so tight. Like, it was like so tight. The choreography. And the song choice. Going into this, I was like, did Disney make him do No Sleep Till Brooklyn? I bet he's the type of guy who would want to do a deep cut Beastie Boys song because they have a lot. And Disney's like, No Sleep Till Brooklyn's really popular. Look at this Mario movie. You gotta do No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, and James Gunn's like, okay. This if there was co- gonna be a criticism of that, that's like the only thing you could say is that they used a slightly overexposed song, but but it, it, it you popped. It, it made me, th- <laughs> the way he used it within the confines of the scene made me think that James Gunn wrote No Sleep Till Brooklyn. <laughs> like, yeah. it was almost as if it was written for this sequence. Yeah. I was... So impressed with how that went. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so that fight sequence happens, and then Rocket, they let go, let, release the rest of the animals. Well, they um, release all the children, and then Rocket has a moment where he basically comes to terms with where he came from yes. being animals. Yes. And the fact that he's a rac- raccoon after all. Which he has denied throughout the franchise. Right. Um, and it does say raccoon on his cage, or uh, sample one whatever but again um, this is like an example of what did not happen in quantum mania is rocket raccoon has this whole time he's denied by denying that he is a raccoon he's like denying kind of himself uh-huh. and where he came from and in this movie he has to confront that past like sure. literally on his deathbed but then again he has to see where he came from uh-huh. uh and he says you know you know, when the guy calls him by his number again, he says, no, He's I'm like, Rocket Raccoon. Like That was it, such a James Bond moment where he pulls out the gun, Rocket Raccoon, and shoots him. Like, Yeah, oh, but it's like, it's a character arc. It's a it's yeah. a way that he has been changed by the events of the story. Do you that think would have been cool to happen in Ant-Man. <laughs> do you think that Quantumania 2 might address those same things? I hope not the exact same things. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, plot, uh, full circle plot-wise. I also, mean, they, but they could have done that in the first one. We don't need to rehash Ant-Man again, but maybe I think it's... I like that movie so much and I am fine with the way those arcs ended because those arcs have already meant so little to me within the grand scheme of the MCU. All of those characters... Yeah. But how do you complain about the Mario movie not having any arcs, but you don't mind that Quantumania doesn't? Wait, well, I mean... Because that's the Ant-Man problem with Mario. Uh, Mario... Because Mario problem... didn't grow. Well, I just didn't care about anything Mario had to say. I less about Mario not growing. I don't know. I, did I mention that at the start of this? No, I'm just saying okay. that it was. I was saying that it was. My problem with Mario is I just didn't character. care about Mario in general, and I thought the movie was just made for Mario fans and not for me. And it was almost rubbing my face in how much this movie was not made for me. 
Yeah. Well, the the thing with you know not to rehash Quantum Mania too much, but they, it did feel like they almost did all these things, and then they just kind of decided to mostly cut that out for some reason. Yeah, it was very bizarre. But here, the stories all have resolutions. Like with- Nebula and Drax have this conflict. And then it's very, you know, it, it's not like it's like a long arc for them, but yeah. they, they have like this tension between them. They mm-hmm. come to realize something else about each other. Nebula yeah. realizes that Drax isn't just a goofy guy. He's also someone who's a valuable member of the team. Sure. Uh, and all that kind of thing. Like when Modoc realizes it's never too late to be a dick. To stop exactly. He's dick. the only one who had a character arc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, I don't know. And Gamora, oh, even Gamora. Fun. Who we don't really anticipate being in much, I would assume not much more going forward because it's kind of, that would seem to be, if they keep digging her back up, that would no, undermine yeah, I, what they did I'm in this movie. Pretty, she also has Avatar money for the rest of her life, so she's not going to need to do Marvel for a hot minute. Yeah, well, and also they show her at the end with the Ravagers yeah. and clearly say, like, look, this is her found family. Like, if you're yeah. worried that she is not in a place where she's happy, it's like, yeah. no, clearly she is. So it's the fine. The ending of this movie is so good. I, I do we, oh, the High Evolutionary um, gets shot down uh, by Rocket. And then I thought, oh, like, that's kind of anticlimactic. I mean, I like the Rocket stuff and everything, but I don't want, like, it's the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And then all the Guardians show up and they each do, like, a punch or whatever. One attack toward the High Evolutionary. Mm-hmm. Felt like the end of a turn-based combat battle where you, like, use the thing that combines all the powers yeah. and everyone just beats up on them. That was great. Loved that. Um, I'm pretty sure they left him alive off camera, right? So he could potentially be alive. To take the place of Kang, should uh, Five yes, want to go that because route. Rocket didn't want to just murder him. Yeah, because he's like, I'm not like you. I'm not evil. I'm a yeah. hero kind of deal. I'm a and then and then the they galaxy. save all the children and then they save all the animals. Um, yes, which is also, I, I assume that's why Peter gave it the award is that they showed like because yeah. at first they're like save all the higher life forms, which yeah. I was like, that's a little bit specific. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I feel like that's going to mean something that he didn't just say, like, save everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, that was very well done. Um, I get why PETA likes it. I And I like why Rocket was like, no, 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 everyone, we're all kind of equal. Even yeah. though, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess we're at the end. We can we can talk about how they parted ways. I, I, well, I think Warlock, oh, Peter also uh, almost suffocates in space, which we've talked on. Warlock it. saves him. Warlock again. Saves him. Second chances. There's yes. a story there. He's a he's a moron. Uh, yeah. He's which is also interesting. He's kind of just new to the world, so now he finally uh, he is will and learn stuff via being a guardian. Which in is the comic education, he is a god who ends up wielding the Infinity Gauntlet and ends... He's the one who snaps it back in the comics that, that oh. fixes Infinity War. Um, but he can do it because he's basically a god and he doesn't really suffer any repercussions. Uh, but in the universe, like a whole uh, few people were complaining, like, he's not all powerful like he is in the comics. They do the one line, we pulled him out of the cocoon too early, so he's not as, he hasn't reached his full strength or whatever. Mm. Another thing they took away from the comics is he speaks in... Constant alliteration, which is probably for the best that you take that out. Yeah, that would have been irritating. <laughs> it would have been noticeable for sure. Especially Will Poulter speaking in Are there any other alliteration? Notes? 
Um, we should talk just like sum up, sum up the end, the end of the movie, and there, how they there's all a lot ways. of there's a lot of putting a bow on this movie. Yeah, they have like a whole dance. The return of the king of Marvel movies. Yeah, the resolution. I mean, not it doesn't last a full hour, but it lasts twenty ish minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all the characters go their way. All right, so here's the part I cried. If you haven't guessed, you haven't guessed it yet. You must not have. No, uh, you haven't figured it out. Um, none of the animals did anything for me. I'm like, wow, everyone's talking about how this movie's emotional. All the critics, all the early reviews. Like, I didn't feel anything. That's kind of weird. And then Gamora and Peter, it's like clear they're not going to get together. Gamora walks onto the ship and turns around and says, I bet we were fun. And that Ah. absolutely killed me. And Peter's like, like, you wouldn't believe. Like, that, holy shit. What a great line. And I already, like, I didn't want them to end up together because she's a different person. And it would be like 50 first dates. Like, that's not how love works like you had this relationship with one person not with this person who is identical to her in pretty much every other but she still opens herself up to do an act of kindness for this person after what exactly and it just gave peter the closure he needed also to move on like he's been moping Mm -hmm. about this girl and for a stranger who could have been like repulsed by his actions and just like turned off to make that act of kindness as well was just uh so 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 good um, and then Mantis goes off with like the, the huge slug things to go on some sort of spiritual journey. I believe you watched it today. So you, you have it fresher in your mind. Sorry. I was looking at my rank cause I was still, I was trying to figure out what I'm going to oh, give okay. it. Uh, um, well you can, I can, yeah, she goes off with the slug things because she wants to figure out what she wants out of life and okay. the universe and, outside and then, of being part of some other organization and then drax and nebula stay in nowhere with the kids yes and it turns out drax begins to or becomes a father kind of deal like that's what he was best at yeah nebula is going to be basically president and drax is going to be principal <laughs> <laughs> the two biggest roles um and then star lord goes home and Rocket becomes the leader of the Guardians. There's a lovely speech where Peter's like, hey, you're in charge now. I need to go figure out some stuff about me. Um, and Gamora goes to join the Ravagers. And Groot is hanging out with the Guardians. Warlock becomes a Guardian. And the dog days are over is yeah. perhaps the best. I know space. All right. So Space Hog. Uh, in the meantime, is the most fitting Guardian song. I think Dog Days Are Over is the absolute best use of a song in a Guardians movie. Hmm. And I felt... It's weird, too. I had a whole bunch of nostalgia just because this was something that was always in the program board office in college. Like, this was... Florence and the Machine was one of our bands, kind of like the Mowgli's. Um, This song was on all the fucking time. Whenever Whenever we threw parties, like... So I have that connection, too. Because this movie is... You th- it's a movie about moving on, and it's a swan song, and you think there are going to be some deaths, but the movie, ultimately, the end of the movie is about them growing up and realizing they need to, you know, they're not really going on these adventures to kind of pass the time. They need to occupy their specific life roles and what they're going to do for the rest of their lives and kind of figure stuff out, Yeah, um, which I thought was a super unique way to do a swan song. And not redundant at all, very fresh. Uh, I I fucking loved it. Like, and they're all dancing. Drax, who has hated dancing this entire franchise, he's getting into it. Uh, and yeah, this song is 
if you if I didn't think it was a five star song because of all the nostalgia, this movie would have made it like a five star song for me. So I, I I think uh, this song was good here, but it's also interesting because this is a a song a song (laughs) that I was familiar with, but not one that I'd ever paid attention to. You know, like it, it was such a like it's a song that was only ever played in the background of my life. I've sure. never sat down to listen to Dog Days or Over or really okay. made like a conscious note that w- it was playing. Okay. But what, I did how, think it worked really well here. It worked well. Okay. So yeah, you, you're I, not I, like... I was kind of like, oh, this song. I haven't heard this in ages. Yeah. Like it was yeah. kind of, you know, that kind of throwback. Just wanted to make sure it wasn't something like, uh, this song sucks. I wish they played Holy Diver. I do yeah. love Holy Diver. I don't I know, know if that a, really worked for that scene. But <laughs> I, I think that would be awesome in, in a Guardians movie. Yeah, it is How weird. Did he, didn't do, he didn't do any Dio. I wonder what... Maybe he did. He has a whole bunch more metal songs in Peacemaker, so they might have done... Did you watch Peacemaker? No. Okay, you should watch Peacemaker if you enjoy James Gunn and his work. Yeah, that, so that's... been off of the Suicide Squad. I said I was going to talk about this earlier... About James Gunn being a good um, yeah. franchise. Owner. I did. I didn't come back a to Feige. touch on this, right? No, not to my knowledge. Okay, so the, You're the whole reason about him I th- being Feige. Right? Yeah, the whole reason I think he's good at that is is because of this uh, ability to ter- tell all these little stories throughout this movie, like yeah. to to know where a character's at, give them some problem, something that they need to resolve about themselves, and then sure. have them like find a way to resolve that over the course of a movie. I think having someone in the top chair looking over all these scripts and saying like, does that happen in this? Yes or no. And making sure that it does. Mm -hmm. He's a good person for that. Exactly. And the things that I think I bump up against James Gunn about is, uh, you know, just some kind of taste stuff. Like I do think, you know, suicide squad was interestingly grotesque. Yeah. And this movie was interestingly grotesque. But I wouldn't say that's like my favorite style. Like Okay. It's a little um stylistically you're It's a little sense. cartoon network to my Nickelodeon vibes. You love Rick and Morty though. It's well, your but favorite that's show. The, like that's the part of it I like that strikes me the least. Like I like the cere- like you know the sci-fi premises and then the subversion of those sci-fi premises. What I okay. like less is when there's just like, you know, violence or you know, random, sure, gross out humor. Yeah, entirely fair. Um, so yeah, the new Guardians of the Galaxy are is one of the kids that they saved. Uh, Groot, Rocket's the leader. Adam Warlock and Craglin. And is that Sean Gunn's character? Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, we didn't even talk about him at all, or the Yondu cameo. Yeah. Or Cosmo the Space Dog. Who I was familiar with because of Marvel Snap. Oh, and, well, it's the voice of the girl from Borat, too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Um, she's very good. Yeah, a very interesting cast. Um, uh, yeah. We got to wrap really this good. up. We're actually at two hours, despite I know. my despite best Despite me efforts. jokingly, yeah, despite you trying to not. Uh, All right, I got to rate this movie. I think I'm going to give it movie. four and a half stars. Four and a half Avengers. Yes. Out of six. Out of six. Yes. So who's at the table? While you're doing that, I'm going to look up what and tell people what you think is similar to this movie quality-wise. Cosmo. Say, Cosmo's at the table. We didn't talk a lot about Cosmo, but okay. Yondu. 
<laughs> I don't know if he's really an Avenger. <laughs> Uh, Yondu dies before Infinity War, before he they even meet the Avengers. It's so crazy. I guess I might as well include uh, Sylvester Stallone's character. Oh, naturally, he's a big one. Yeah, we didn't mention him either. Good thing to way to cover all these things that we didn't even yeah. touch on. Uh, that cameo, I was like, who gives a shit? Like this feels <laughs> like a cameo for having a cameo, and I just don't care. Whereas think- Nathan Fillion was a cameo, but it was like, okay, you're having him doing something fun. But do you remember he's in Guardians 2? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, okay. I knew it was Because I think that lineup of Guardians is the supposed to be the original iteration of the Guardians of the Galaxy in like the 70s or whatever. And then James Gunn's Guardians is a more modern comic book telling mm. of it. So I think they wanted to do that, like pay homage to the original Guardians. That's my guess. So I've got three people at my table. I need one more in Bruce one Banner. One and a half more. wonder who. Yeah, Bruce Banner. Uh, my other oh. full Avenger is New Gamora. New Gamora. Okay. Not old Gamora. Yeah. So that's my five, four. Okay. And Bruce Banner. Okay. Uh, you compare this movie to Iron Man 3 and Spider-Man Far From Home. You say it is the same quality wise, which is interesting. Hmm. I guess that kind of tracks though, because... So you you would agree... Guardians 2 is the worst, 1 is the best. Yes. Of the 3. Okay. Yes. That that's really kind of what I was looking at is I was like I I like this almost as much as the first one, but slightly yeah. less just because of that animal stuff at the beginning and I feel like I, I don't know, also, just some just, of some of the aesthetic decisions also just slightly like, you know. The letter from Star-Lord's mom at the end of Guardians 1 is just the fucking best. Like I that destroys me. And this, if this didn't have that Gamora moment, it would have lost some points. But now this is a comparable kind of, I feel like I'm going to cry a lot at that line too, uh, whenever I rewatch these inevitably. Um, But yeah, one one is just such a solid, perfect start to finish movie. Like there's really nothing wrong with it. I feel like Far From Home, I might drop to a 4.25 in some future. Well, you'll have to save it for Thanksgiving, big guy, in, in November. It's May. All right, but that's um, our episode, and truly we have to wrap episode. up because I'm going to go put this on the internet. Yes, this is going but to that's be gonna take a while. Uh, available very shortly. Um, and before we go, I will plug my um, doing my uh, my tour according to Rock Band this summer. Uh, so follow me on Instagram, Corona Cade, uh, or check out... Um, I guess that's the best way to find all these gigs, but we're doing a rock band tour and I'm doing book readings and sellings and stuff. Uh, so Saturday, May 20th, we will be in Harrisonburg at Restless Moons Brewing. Uh, and this will be up by then. So you might be able to check that out. This is uh, the first time me. hearing of this. Oh, well, you want to talk about it for 10 minutes? Ah, uh, we will have to catch up on it some other time. Because <laughs> yeah. oh, I woke well. up at 6 a.m. this morning to yeah. finish writing a 4,000-word essay. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds unpleasant. Yeah, we can yeah. Uh, talk shop at another time. Uh, long The elevator pitch is I'm doing a book tour kind of deal where we're playing rock band at other venues or I'm performing songs from the book or reading from the book. Uh, and that's happening at different locations this summer. Nice. That sounds very yeah. cool. Yes, Corona Cade on Instagram. Is there any uh, any of those happening near or around the time of uh, when I'll be visiting? Uh, there might be. Okay. I am currently in talks for around that time, so that is very possible. That might happen. Well, that'd be cool. All that right, would be fun. Well, I have been Jordan, and Marvel has. Do you, do you like Phase Five again? 
Are you back in? You're back in the pot. You like you're in. You trust them. To I'm just glad stuff? they're telling stories again. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned for our episode on Secret Invasion and Marvel doesn't suck. It's really good. Really, really, really good. <laughs>